Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 87. Yep. And today, <laughs> get the pleasure of sitting with my guy, Ravi, CSF. Frank, thanks for having me, brother. This is awesome, dude. Dude, thank you for coming, man. So how, how was the drive? Drive wasn't too bad. I mean, it's always a clusterfuck, 405, 101, you know, but I made it out, dude. So all good. I'm here. Yeah. And I'm excited, dude. This place has got a nice vibe, dude. Thank you, man. That's what we've been trying to create. I took you around, checked out everything. And if you would have come maybe like two months ago, it had a totally different look, dude. Like this podcast studio, we we had it in the garage of my house. Okay. So I was just having friends and, you know, cousins and close acquaintances yeah. come over. Like Ryan did an episode there before. But it kind of, kind of stunted the growth of it because mm-hmm. I don't want to be having people really coming to the house. Yeah. And, uh, and I just got the idea, dude. We should make the podcast studio in here. No, dude, this is fucking straight legit, dude. I like you, it. Man. Looks Thank good, you dude. So this much. is super official, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. This is some Howard Stern shit right here, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they call me the Howard Stern of the Honda community. There it is, dude. <laughs> but um, so for everybody listening right now that's not familiar with uh, your company, you want to give them like a quick rundown? Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, my name is Ravi Dolwani. You can probably uh, move it a little away. A little away? Yeah. Right there? Perfect. Perfect, yeah, dude. Perfect. All right, my name is Ravi. I'm the owner of CSF Radiators, also known as CSF Cooling. Uh, we are a high-performance cooling system manufacturer, you know, making stuff like radiators, intercoolers, oil coolers. Uh, we got our own brand, obviously CSF, and then we private label with a bunch of other brands out there. And, uh, yeah, selling our stuff all over the world. Um, so that's kind of what we do, you oh, know? man. That's how we linked up. Yep, definitely, dude. I mean, I'm wearing the shirt from SEMA a couple of years ago on my That's Evo. Right. Got a Downstar logo on the back. You came personally. And I remember <laughs> that. I'll never forget that, dude. That was a late night. You put the nuts and bolts on the whole car yourself. Hell yeah, That was dude. funny, dude, because we always laugh. I'm like, oh, Frank said he's going to come down and do it himself. And then I was like, dude, I don't think he knows what he's getting himself into. <laughs> it's like one in the morning. You're like, I got to go home. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. I, I was uh, I was honored that you invited us to be part of the project, dude. Of course, dude. You're the king of the bolts, dude. Try, man. Yeah, let's go, man. So hustle, dude. We're actually trying to get that car to uh, Tokyo Auto Salon next year. Shut up. Yeah, dude. So we just started like, you know, putting the wheels in motion on that talking to guys like speed hunters and then my distributor who when we were in tokyo this past year i finally linked up with them hashimoto okay so it might be going in their booth no way. yeah and then we try to do like two weeks out there and you know maybe have the car like run the racetrack you know a couple big circuits out there yeah do do obviously the show and then bring it back hell yeah dude i think if i'm not mistaken the hks day is kind of close to Mm -hmm. that too yeah that would be dope to it would be dope to just stay out there for two weeks man yeah when we went in January, how long were you there for? Um, well, you know, I had just got engaged to uh, now my wife, Adrian. Hell yeah, uh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you, brother, this past weekend, dude. Still had to make it up here, though. I know, you know man. What I'm saying? I, was- <laughs> I was like, hey, dude, you need me up there. I'm going to come, come, come through. So, um, But we had just got engaged at the, um, on New Year's Eve. Oh, so I was I going. Remember. I was going. I'd never been to Tokyo Auto Salon. I hadn't been to you know Japan since I was like a little kid with my family. So I was like, you know what? Uh, why don't you come with me? I'll do a little bit of work. We'll hang out. So we were actually there for like 12 days. That's right. So we did like five days in Tokyo, uh, like three days in Kyoto, and then we did uh, one night in Hakone. Yeah. Where all the hot springs are and stuff like that. So that was chill. Um, it was a great trip. I love that country, man. Remember that pizza place we went to? Oh, dude. Yeah, that was Yo, such a good time. Shout bro. out to Japanese pizza, dude. Best pizza in the world, <laughs> man. You don't know it, but they do it, dude. It was. So, dude, yeah, 100%. Was really that was good, good dude. Man. It was, it was a good time and it, it was good to hang out with you and Adrian and 
like ash was there and for us all to kick it and yeah, like for sure they they just clicked yeah no it was awesome dude that, just dude. kicking it in tokyo dude ain't nothing better than that dude. such a good time yeah man. dude so. and uh yeah speaking of that dude you just had your wedding bro How yep was that? yep it was uh it was saturday um you know so a few days ago uh wedding was awesome but fucking planning a wedding sucks dude i mean you've been there dude yeah. i don't know how involved you were you know with ashley planning the whole thing but like so many bickering bullshit small decisions and you look back at it you're like were we really arguing over that you know yeah. <laughs> you know like i my buddy told me this he's like dude this is what you tell your fucking fiance or wife he goes she's gonna go which one do you like and she can give you like a million choices and you gotta go babe i like all of them <laughs> which one do you like the which most like? <laughs> the most yeah i like that one i like that one too right because the minute you guys start arguing and you're like well i like this one she goes well i don't like that one i'm like you asked <laughs> you know what do you want to do right so yeah yeah but it was good dude it was all worth it and uh you know uh, adrian looked beautiful my family was happy you know we had a good, like a good we, time yeah, dude, we turned up dude it was fun dude so you got to tell me about the horse bro i've never seen that before what, oh. what's the tradition okay that? so it's called uh so the whole thing is it's uh, it's called a barat and uh it's the traditional indian entrance of the groom okay and the idea is that the groom and all his like friends and his side of the family goes to the point of where the marriage is and is met by the bride's family so like adrian wasn't even there for that part it's just really like the groom side and it's like a big dance party and you got a drummer and we had a mobile dj and really it was just you know that's the entrance going into the actual ceremony where the bride's family meets the groom's family and then the bride and the groom get married gotcha. so that's uh you know something different that you don't see in a lot of cultures but it really gets people hyped yeah. you know like that's like one of the most fun parts of the whole day you know because sometimes you go to a ceremony and it's all you know same cookie cutter bullshit you do i do all right you're married but this was kind of like gets people you yeah. know kind of popped off so it was nice hell yeah dude it looked really cool man you looked so, good dude. thank you brother you, you both look good man. yeah I man that's what hey that's not guys. that's what not eating for two weeks does for you bro <laughs> gotta get fit dude <laughs> man it's it, it's something about about marriage that like i i never really thought that it was it was that important but after going through it and after having everybody there and just like embracing the 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 special moment that it really is it really makes me look at it a lot differently you know i agree dude and i mean i always like want to keep perspective and it was like you know it's not about the wedding it's about the marriage but yo dude let's be real dude good wedding is a good way to pop off a marriage Hell you know yeah, what i'm saying dude. and then i think it makes you appreciate i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about adrian and i learned a lot about our relationship just going through the motions of planning something like that and uh yeah i think we're all better for it but you know now that it's off i'm like dude i got all this free time dude like i can drive all the way to ventura and go on frank's, <laughs> frank's podcast you would ask me this last week i'd be like fuck no dude i'm doing a seating chart you know like <laughs> i can't do anything you know like yeah. I'm, I'm like talking to vendors and stuff so now no it's good dude i'm uh i feel like a little weight's lifted both of our shoulders especially adrian because i'm not the type of dude to be stressed you yeah. know and i think just being in the car business and what we do we have deadlines you know we have demanding customers there's always something else going on cars break gotta fix them quick yeah so i try not to stress out and i feel like i've done pretty good with that but you know you know how girls are right like they're gonna stress about everything yeah. so i feel like now she's really relaxed and she's calm and yeah dude it's just kind of back to you know the schedule hell yeah dude and one thing that it was for for us is that there's the build-up to even getting engaged yeah you know mm -hmm. and um i think ash and i were together maybe 
four or five years okay. before I even proposed. And naturally, there's the question in the air, like, okay, where's this going to go to? Mm-hmm. Where, what it, what are we doing here? You know, are we just like spending time together? You know, are we going to move to the next yeah. point? Are you so, serious about me? Are you exactly. wasting my time? You know, exactly, all that stuff, dude. And and when you get to an older age, it that's that's a serious thing, you mm-hmm. know. So once we got engaged, then that was one step. But then the time starts ticking from there. Yeah. Like, okay, when is this actually going to happen? And then once you start planning the date, then it starts to get serious. And then you com- combine all that stress, everything yeah. together. And the then build when up. Dude, when it's over, that next day after mm-hmm. we got married, dude, that was that day felt like so exciting and like bright to me. Yeah. You know, the sun just looked a lot different out dude totally get it man that's i i absolutely agree so like you wake up that next morning you look at your girl and you're like damn dude all right we did it you know and now this is it this is like day one of you know forever right yeah. so yeah it's good dude hell yeah but yeah i guess uh, you, you are right about that being in the car industry that you kind of get used to being stressed out mm-hmm. all the time speaking of sema dude like how, how was that project when you when you took the the evo to sema the build up from it because i saw a little part of it and uh if everybody knows that sema projects never go as planned there's oh no way going on honestly frank building that evo was the most challenging thing i've ever done in my life really dude massive breakdowns all the time dude i would literally like leave a shop and something would go wrong it'd be fucking like midnight you know and i would just be like fuck dude like banging my head against the window I'm like what have i got myself into how much money have i fucking poured down the drain if this thing doesn't make it it's a complete failure right yeah. and because of everybody who was involved it was good and bad there was a lot of cooks in the kitchen you know what i'm saying yeah. like my the idea i had was like yo i'm gonna put the all-star crew of the best people i know in southern california who so happen to be industry friends and we're gonna build this car together yeah that was the best part because i knew everybody involved for the most part right it was like ryan rywire you know alex from sheepy long from ltmw guys like you the dudes at moto iq guys i had known for like five seven eight years you know some of my closest friends in the industry i knew they were going to come through you know what i'm saying like ryan the amount of hours he put the way he worked like late night getting that car ready and being able to like get that thing fired up and going yeah it's insane and like that's why ryan are so close because we do stuff like that for each other you know and if it was anybody else or just like another shop and i was a paying customer there's absolutely no way anybody would have broke their back to work like that like my friends did yeah you know and they're not that's why i call them friends you know it's not just oh i hired this shop to do the work and i'm a customer and he's a you know and that's what it is um, but with that, with how many people there were, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know? So if one guy's off by a week, it pushes everything else off. If one guy doesn't do something right, you know, yeah. then the other guy's got to fix it. And, you know, the car was moving so much that we were losing days just transporting the car. Yeah. You know, living in the greater Los Angeles area to have to go down to San Diego where like Gabe from the the guy who did all the interior paneling and all that stuff like that to then Sheepy who was out in Paris at the time to Ryan who's in Garden Grove yeah. to Moto IQ who's in Long Beach. You know, like every day we had to get the trailer we had to get the car you know it was a lot of traffic dude and i remember having to move the car like sometimes like friday afternoon at three o'clock on the 405 dude and and like credit to my team too you know guys like ken christian they were the ones there dude like ken was hauling that trailer bro and i was like damn dude this guy's been sitting in traffic like six hours today insane right but it all came together and i think having the car there 
and seeing what the industry thought about the way that thing was put together, it was really like a next level car. Yeah. You know, and I was just with Ryan earlier today. I was at his spot. Oh, were you? Yeah, I was down there. I had to pick some stuff up from nice. him. And I, um, you know, we were talking about like his Integra. Yeah. You know, and I was like, well, you know, Ryan, like, however much you put into your Integra or I've put into my Evo, and I'm still dropping money into my Evo trying to take it to that next level, it's, we've gotten our money back. Yeah. Because what it's done for the brand. And like how much recognition it's done, not just for, hey, this is a demo car for CSF, but it's really like, yo, this is what CSF's about, you know? And I think that's a reflection on me as the owner of the company that I'm willing to put it out there and be like, I can build a dope ass car too. Yeah. You know, it's not just the coolers that go in everyone else's dope ass car. Watch what we can do, you know? And I think a lot of brands, I mean, I think a lot of people didn't even know who CSF was at that time, you know? Like cooling is not one of those parts that's like, super sexy fresh in your face about you know it's not one of those hard parts that people think about you know they think about rims and exhaust and you know bag suspension and you know even your stuff is flashy nuts and bolts or wiring or who's the fabricator who do the turbo kit like no one ever really talks about like oh sick that's such a dope ass radiator or oil cooler but that's what i'm trying to do you know what i'm saying that's what i'm really trying to do with my brand is push cooling as one of those like you know i'm trying to sell automotive jewelry yeah, you, know, you see yeah. these radiators the way they're polished, but yeah, they look good, but they're the best in the world. You know, my stuff works, and that's why we're building a race car, and that's why we're trying to take this car out to tracks, and that's why we're still innovating on the Evo. You know, we took it from SEMA car project, you know, this is documenting the bill, to, you know, last year was like major media coverage. You know, that car was on the cover of three magazines. It was Hell on the, yeah. you know, yeah. shout out to Super Street, S3, Bonsai, like that's all stuff all over the world. So, then it did the Hoonigans, you know, and then we've just been getting massive media coverage on it. But I was like, I didn't want to be another one of those cars that was like a moving paperweight. Yeah. It's a good looking car. It's got all this crazy shit on it. But like, okay, it's a car. What's the function of the car? You know, the yeah. function of this car is to be a race car. So that's why we're like, you know, we're adjusting some things, we're moving some things around, and our goal is to maybe get this at Super Lap Battle this year. Nice. So that's the goal, right? And that's what everyone's working on. So it's like Super Lap Battle, and if it does well there, boom, Tokyo Auto Salon. So uh, yeah, and then, you know, if we go into next year, um, we're talking about shipping it to my distributors over in Europe, let them run the Nürburgring, Spa, some of the big tracks in Europe, because, you know, we built this car, I put so much money into it, I don't mind putting an extra few thousand bucks to like expose it to the whole world, Definitely. you know? Yeah. Because I think the talent of the people that have put their energy and time into that car, it's next level, you know? Like these are some of the best names in the industry, you know? There are no better fabricators than the guys over at Sheepy Built, you know? There are no better guys in fuel and electronics than Ryan, you know? You got the best bolts, you know? My boy Dominic, who's, you know, did all the titanium stuff, you know, Gabe, you know, who did all the interior paneling and Moto IQ, they're all great companies. Yeah. And I think like Long and the wide body kit, you put this all together, you know, the sum of the parts, I personally think it's, you know, it's a it's a really good build that's gonna stand the test of time. Definitely, dude. That build is is very, very nice and, and thought out. And it it kind of reminds me of what uh an elite honda build would be because you don't know you don't really see that in like the mitsubishi world you know maybe you'll see a clean engine bay with tuck this or tuck that but like you went all out inside and outside with it dude and it wasn't supposed to be like that you know it was like oh good opportunity crash probably world challenge car let's do something cool and then it kind of just you know if you're going to do something you want to do it right and i think the way the internet works and how fast social media goes like 
you got a picture of a dope car well that's really only dope for how long yeah one day two days until the next thing is dope you know yeah you really have to do something special now for people to want to continue to talk about it and want to post about it and really legit media companies wanting to have it to be part of their program um because you know now with social media and like especially instagram and like facebook groups it's like everyone thinks they're an authority you know just because you have a few thousand followers and you post a photo doesn't make you super street magazine yeah you know and doesn't make you motor trend or the next guy or hoonigans like those are the ones that we're going after yeah we want to be promoted and publicized in like legit corporate type stuff because not everybody can do that you know there's a dime a dozen million instagram photographers out there they all want to shoot cars in la they all got big followings but like you know it's just i didn't want to be another like bag stance car or some like rickety ass race car or something like that just kind of put together we wanted to like say this is what the industry is about right now yeah and i think i think we did a good job doing that no definitely dude the car came out awesome and these are the times that you don't have to ask anybody for permission dude you can do whatever the hell yeah do whatever you want it's your money you do you you know what i'm saying if that if that's the goal that you have there's there's no there's no gatekeepers you dude, know? and honestly, like I, I just about like your car, the one you just showed me in the back, dude. Yeah. Like when you built your Civic, dude, I was like, yo, dude, this is dope. You know, you did Thank exactly you. what you wanted to do, dude, with the graffiti and the underglow and the Lambo doors and like even all like the anodized pink bolts and stuff like that. I was like, yo, dude, Frank just did something dope because it it was authentic. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You weren't trying to just fit in with what was popular or what was trending. You know, you were like, I'm gonna build a car. This is my vision. And I respect you for going all out with it, dude. Thank like you, man. you saw I it through, it, and yeah, dude. of course, people are gonna like always give you flack. I mean, the internet's, you know, it's a it's an angry place. Yeah, you know, because anybody, like I said, has a voice, right? So they're always gonna be the comments of like, why would you do this? You spent all your money doing this, but like, ultimate, at the end of the day, I think guys who are in the industry, like you and me and other guys, we saw what you were doing, and we respect it you know thank you man. so thank i you. i think we wanted to do that and we're starting to do that with some other projects that we're working on right now and uh we just want to keep it going you know just kind of innovating and pushing our own levels of what are we capable to do what am i capable to do as a car builder and how does that affect the brand and how can we keep on using that to push a csf brand globally yeah so what made you want to build the uh the evo like what was it that just clicked in your head was it having all of these other cars in your booth and not your own personal car or well to be honest man like i never like i used to like evo 10s right like i was like okay that's a dope car and in my mind when i was growing up i was like oh dude sti or evo right like that's always a comparison like which one do you have it's kind of rally but it's street you yeah. can make into a race car but i never wanted an evo especially at that point in my life you know i was like more european you know our biggest bread and butter is like bmw and yeah, porsche yeah 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 but it was one of those things where it was just like right place, right time. I was at GMG, who's like an exotic, you know, car shop. And they had this Evo like on a rack tucked in the corner when I was walking around. I'm like, what the fuck is there an Evo doing next to like McLarens and R8s and, you know, crazy Porsches? And so like, oh, well, that's you'll like this story. So it was the owner of Swisher Suite. Oh, shit. Used to race that car. Barry Swisher. Yeah. And he was a big customer. <laughs> that's, a, wait, this is, that's his last name? Yeah, Barry Swisher, dude. Oh, dude, it's crazy because like, when we bought Shout the car. Barry. Yeah, dude, Barry. <laughs> oh, dude, I took your car, dude, and made it big, man. So um, this guy, just, you know, rich white guy from the South. He was a customer of GMG. He had, like, all the crazy European exotics, but he went to the owner and says, I want to race a Mitsubishi Evo 10. 
and you know over That's there they have like arrive and drive stuff right you give them two hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollars and they'll prep your car and they'll like deliver it to the track wherever in the country pirelli world challenges you show up in your race suit you fly in in your little chopper you race the car and you go home <laughs> they bring it back they get it all track prepped for the next race and you show up Wow. So it's very like gentlemen. I have a lot of money racing, you know, yeah. like, yeah, the guys who are winning Pirelli World Challenge probably have some talent, but the rest of the guys are out there just to like, you know, enjoy driving cars. So this guy wanted to race an Evo 10. So GMZ is like, all right, we're not going to turn down your money. We'll build you an Evo 10. So they bought the shell from Mitsubishi Motorsports North America, bought all the best parts. Mm-hmm. And they put this car together. First race, Long Beach Grand Prix. This guy can't drive. Boom, <laughs> right into a tire wall. Like, oh, literally, there's shit. a video on YouTube of him going straight. And, like, the like the road turns. And you're supposed to go around it. And he just went, like, straight into the tire wall, dude. <laughs> it's like, and, like, we watched it a million times. We're like, dude, was this guy's eyes closed? Like, what was he doing? So... <laughs> He flips the car. No shit. Yeah, he flips the car. Like, this is the first race after they built this car. <laughs> He's flipped it. So now they got to put it back together. So they buy... So they take all the parts out that they could save. Yeah. They buy more parts. And they're like, all right, get another shell. And they're, like, trying to put the doors on and all that stuff. And then the guy changes his mind. He's like, you know what? I want to drive an R8. No yeah. shit. Yeah. So this car was literally just a roller sitting you know like one door was dented there was no like windows or anything it was just sitting on a rack and the owner just wanted to get rid of his shop because it's just like clutter you yeah. know what i'm saying and it was yeah, like yeah, three yeah. warehouse bins of parts so it was like uh what we it must have been 2017 like right before the pri show i was in there because i usually take my uh, 996 turbo over there to get serviced at the end of the year and that's why i was there and i was like oh dude what's the deal with that he's like yeah dude we just want to get it out of here I'm like, really? And then I called Alex at Sheepy because, you know, he does a lot of Evos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Alex, dude, GMG's got this dope-ass, like, Pirelli World Challenge shell. Because the biggest thing that drew me to it was it was already caged. 25-point roll cage inside. You know how long it takes to, like, do and pay for? Like, that in alone is 20 grand. Yeah. So I talked to the owner right before PRI. I was like, yo, dude, give me a good deal. He's like, if you're serious, you know, come talk to me. But he's like, don't waste my time. So I'm like, all right, let me think about it. I'll come back from PRI and I'll come see you. So it was like December 15th of that 2017 year. I walk in. I'm like, how much for all this stuff? He goes, you got to take all the parts too. You can't like fish through this shit. You got to take all of this and the shell and you got to get it out of my shop. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, he's like 25 grand. No and I'm way. like, I'll give you 20. And he <laughs> goes, I'm not even going to negotiate you. It's 22.5. We're done. And I'm like, deal. So Alex actually came with Charlie with their trailer at the time because I didn't have one at that point. Yeah. And they picked up the car for me from GMG. We rented like an Enterprise box truck. <laughs> I remember it was like raining that day. I'm like, fuck, dude, out of all the days, we got to pick up all these parts. It's raining. But we loaded the entire box truck of parts. Yeah. And then we got it to CSF. <laughs> uh, Alex took the shell straight to his place and we laid out all the parts on the ground. And there were stuff that still hadn't even been, like, opened. Really? Like, the entire Couscous suspension catalog is still unopened on my floor at my office. Oh, and there's, shit. like, 15 grand, like, JRZ coilover set, like, a four-way set, you know? So you like, came up. Dude, Penske race shocks, like, crazy stuff, which, ironically, we didn't end up using any of it because we all went custom. The whole yeah. build is custom that on all, all a lot of these off-the-shelf parts they don't even work. So... 
Um, yo, by the way, if anybody wants to buy some Evo parts, like high grade stuff, you know, no tire kickers, dude. I got everything you need, dude. (laughs) Hit me up on Instagram, man. hundred percent. So, um, but yeah, so that's how we started the, that's how we got the car. Like I wasn't in love with Evos. I never thought I would own an Evo, especially at that point in my life, but I did. And that's how the whole project started. Opportunities, man. You got to see them. You got to see them. And I mean, just the price was stupid, dude. Like, I mean, it came with like 13 pairs of raised wheels and like, you know, stuff that I couldn't use because we went ended up going wide body. Such a deal. But, it, I mean, the amount of shit that's sitting there, I must have, like, 40K worth of parts right now just sitting right there. It's, like, dead money to me because, you know, Evo guys now are so cheap. Like, when they call me, like, yo, how much for the suspension? And I'm like, all right, it's 15 grand retail. I'll give it for you seven. Oh, man, I thought you were going to hook it up for, like, a G. I'm like, what dude, fuck? I'm not going to give you a 15 grand suspension just because it's sitting in my warehouse for a grand. That's like, tax. Come on, dude. Like, just phone calls worth more than the thousand dollars you want me to do so i was like all right dude we're not selling this stuff right now we're too busy so um yeah i made a mistake man i went on a facebook group one time i was like yo i got all this evo stuff hit me up i listed it all up and it was just like phone calls and messages and texts and i'm like i don't have time for this dude that's the biggest problem i just need somebody to come in and just buy the whole lot and take it away so we'll see yeah, the car came out sick, though, man. Thank you. Was, I appreciate it. That was a good year. Yeah, it was a good year, dude. And, you know, that was the first year that Alex, uh, you know, it was his first twin t- turbo Lambo project. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the guys who we're close to in the industry, who we have mutual friends, um, I'm one of the, because I'm a manufacturer, I'm one, of, I'm one of the only few guys out of our industry who has the opportunity to have a booth that's Yes, yes. You know, car builders can't have a booth. You know, media guys can't have a booth. But... I can because I'm a manufacturer of cooling systems and I, I, I've liked to be, I've enjoyed giving back to the guys who have helped me. You know, Ryan was one of my first customers, great friend of mine in the car industry. Um, you know, he was one of the first private label projects when we started doing the tuck radiators. He was one of the first guys to find me at SEMA when a lot of people didn't know about, about it. The ability for me to give him the opportunity to show his Integra at the biggest show in the world yeah. was awesome. You know, and especially because of what that car was when he debuted it. Like no one ever thought you would see DC2 Integra at SEMA in 2015, Yeah, you know, and it stole the show. And I felt good about being able to help Alex with his twin turbo Lambo, you know, like no one really knew who Sheepy was at that time when we're talking about exotic car building. Yeah. But I was able to, you know, showcase his and his um, fabricators work right next to my Evo. He did both cars, you know, so... Um, yeah, I feel good about that, you know, and I think I think this industry, why it's so special and why I enjoy the hustle, because it's all giving back and helping each other out. You know, I, I think it all it all comes around. You know, the people who support you are the ones you support them and everyone's just down to help each other. You yeah, know? I think that's what a lot of people really don't get, man, is that relationships are just like any other relationship, yep. just like your significant other or your family or whatever, you know. If it's just take and take and take, sooner or later, no matter how big your name is, they're not going to let you take anymore. Mm -hmm. People are just going to get tired of your shit. And that's one thing that's always been really cool about you is that you've always been really appreciative of everybody that's helped you with projects or whatever, you know? And I'll see a picture pop up of the Evo and I see you tag us and say things. And and I really appreciate that kind of stuff because guys that we've done even more for, we don't even get that sort of love. But when it comes to when there's a deadline, you know, their stuff isn't priority. Mm -hmm. But when you needed help with the car, it's like, I got you, bro. There's no problem. I'll come down there and make it happen. I appreciate you, Frank. I mean, and and that's what it is. It's like, you know, when we tag someone in the picture and 
it's we want you to get credit. We also want you guys to be successful. The same way you came to help me be successful. You know, yeah. like I, I think this industry has gotten to the point where there's a lot of petty nonsense and like shops fighting against shops or people putting each other down. Like, don't get me wrong, like we are in a car business and there's also a motorsports component to it. It is competitive. It's yeah. sports, you know, but we can do it in a way that can be positive. You know, like I want everybody that I work with and who's helped me out and even my competitors, like it's okay for them to succeed. You know, the pie is big. Yeah. You know, it's a big ocean right there, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone can be successful, you know, and we can all just grow our businesses together and it's okay to be competitive, you know, and it's okay to talk a little bit of trash. And, you know, I think I'm the best at what I do. And if somebody else is trying to knock me down, well, we can go at it. You know what I'm saying? But like, the backstabbing, the talking shit, you know, the copying people's designs, trying to like, you know, yeah. do stuff that's kind of shady. Like we're not about that, right? But you know, we put it out there with our own cars. We show up to the shows. Like this weekend is Week Fest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're bringing two heavy hitter cars. One of them's a debut car that I'm built personally myself. Nice. So you know, we're coming. We're going to take home some hardware. Yeah. You know, like I saw Dave at uh, Ryan's shop today. I'm like, yo, Dave. Make sure you come by the booth and see the car and then just leave the trophy there because I'm taking it, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we're joking around and stuff like that. But, you know, like, yeah, I like to show up to these shows too. And, you know, we, I'm an enthusiast of the industry and the culture. And that's why I love what I do. Yeah. You know, this isn't just a paycheck. I found something I can make money at. And that's why I do what I do. I do it because I care and I love it. You know, it doesn't feel like work when you go every day and you're like, yo, dude, this is what I love to do. Let's let's keep it going. Let's keep growing it, you know? Yeah, hell yeah, dude. So back to SEMA, how how long have you been a, a, a vendor at SEMA? So actually, this year is going to be my 10th SEMA show with a display. 10? Yeah. Wow. So this is a big dude. year, dude. This Congrats, is the de- This is the decade. So uh, we have a, we got some big plans. Um, we're gonna, you know, spend a little bit more money this year, make it a little bit more jazzed up, you know, kind of hit the display pretty hard. And you know, it's it's important. I mean, listen, I'm not like a Vortec or an Edelbrock or a Banks. I haven't been there for 40 years, but yo, a lot of people didn't think I would make it past year one, and now we're 10 years in, Hell you know, yeah, and dude. things are going well. So uh, I'm excited for it, and uh, I think it's gonna be a good year. You know, we got a really good spot in Central Hall that we've kind of locked down. Everyone kind of has to walk by our booth. We work with great partners, both. You know, the people who have uh, helped us get the cars into the booth, you know, the the builders, the the other brands that are promoting and helping us with the parts, but also the media companies that are behind us who are going to really put it out this year. So yeah. we're excited about that. Yeah, it's dope at SEMA. It's kind of like um, the, the show is really big, but for the, uh, the import side of it, you kind of know which cars are the ones that bring the attention and mm-hmm. which ones are getting talked about because you'll see them all over all the blogs and social media, things like that. And I remember when the Evo came out, dude, that was everywhere. And not only that is when I first started getting uh, familiar with the company was when you guys teamed up with Ryan and Ryan had the he debuted the Integra there and then he had the Porsche there. And then um, the next year was the Evo. Mm hmm. And then Sheepy's Huracan. And then the year after that. Last year we did. Last year it was la- the, we the had, M3. We had the M3. Mm-hmm. And then we had Sheepy's Twin Turbo Ferrari. That's right. Yeah. I was trying to think of what the other car yeah, was. Which okay. no one ever cared about because the E30 was so dope, right? So let's so, talk about that, man. <laughs> Passing that car and checking it out and realizing that that was the same motor that's in my uh f8 yeah and your m3 dude. m4 yeah your m4 yeah yeah that's insane dude so how did that car come about so you know 
for me at SEMA, because I feel like I'm still a smaller brand, uh, brand and I don't really spend the money like other people do, you know, not to go on a tangent, but I think I'm going to circle this all back for you. I think it's retarded how much these brands spend at SEMA on the stupidest shit, dude. Yeah. Like, no one gives a fuck about how big the sign is above your booth. They spend $4,000 just to hang whatever they brought. Really? Dude, some of these companies are spending two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 on their display. Wow. It's insane. And I can't even imagine how you would make your money back. No. Dude, like, you can't. Not. You know, like, it's an ROI marketing budget dump. You know, so for us, we've always decided like, hey, listen, we've been rocking the same display that I bought 10 years ago. Yeah, we refresh some graphics and do some stuff like that, but we're putting our money into the cars. That's what people come to see, dude. It's the products on the wall and the cars in your booth. Definitely. You know, like no one gives a fuck about how shiny and big or how many plasma screens you got in your booth. Like they just want to come for the big stuff right because that's the stuff people are taking pictures of i've never seen someone like take a photo of a sign above the booth and be like yo i'm gonna put this all over the internet you know but it's true and like people don't get it like i don't understand if it's just like old guy club and they don't yeah. they're just doing it the old way you know because they rape you at the sema show dude it's all unionized everything they nickel and dime you on like you got to pay for everything and it's exorbitant amount of money so we've always had this different strategy and it seems to be working because we've had so many top 10 top 20 battle the builder cars mm -hmm. in our booth over the last years i feel like we kind of have a reputation now that people know like hey csf is going to have some dope shit in the booth so anyways back to your question of how did that e30 come about there was a guy who was tied in with s3 magazine his name's Corey rowan he owns a media company called visfire and he had come by my booth a couple of years ago when we had a bunch of BMW stuff. It was like a BMW Motorsports takeover. We had my boys company with the skate decks in the back. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, dude, I'm thinking about building this project. And, uh, you know, we want to do like an F80 swap into like an old E30 or an older car. I'm like, oh, that's sick. I'm like, hit me up whenever you're doing it. I'd love to be part of the project, yeah. you know, because we're very selective about, you know, who we sponsor. You know, we're not like Mishimoto, you know, giving shit out to everybody. What's up? Dude? How to throw them out. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we, we, we're very selective of who we sponsor because we feel like if you sponsor everybody, you mm -hmm. kind of dilute the brand. Yeah, definitely. You know what I'm saying? Like, 100%. I don't want my shit on a hoopty and I definitely don't want to give that hoopty free shit mm -hmm. just so he, cause now everybody, it's almost like Instagram models. It's like, give me free shit because I have 5,000 followers. It's like, well, who gives a fuck? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Your shit's not that tight for me to like not make money on it. Hell yeah. If I just gave free shit away, I wouldn't be sitting here with Frank Downstar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um yeah so he called me like in march of that year and he's like hey you remember me Corey?" and i'm like no i don't remember you because i've talked to a thousand <laughs> other people at sema and i really don't because like there's so many people who just come to you at sema and they just want to talk to you about either how cool their car is or they want a sponsorship and you kind of like you forget all the people you talk yeah. to right but anyways he like he was like pretty chill about it on the phone and he reminded me he's like hey listen i'm building this fully restored e30 m3 with an f80 s55 engine swap he goes, I got a lot of money behind me with like major sponsors, but I want you to promote, do the cooling. I'm like, dude, I, I'll do you one better. Not will I only, you know, fully sponsor your entire cooling package. You should put your car in my booth. Wow. Because I always keep like my ear to the ground because mm -hmm. you got to know when that call comes through for SEMA and you got to be like, 
light bulb on that's the car i want yeah and it's happened right either it's through friends you know like ryan or sheep you're like yo i'm building this car no one knows what's going on and you believe them because they're your friends that it's going to be dope and you know the work otherwise it's like ear to the ground some mysterious dude somewhere in america is building something crazy hot yeah and we want to be a part of it and it may not be going in our booth but we just want to get our parts on that car you know it could be somewhere else in the show so um i think i've been pretty good about just being like that's what that's what's going to tick with the industry and what people are going to like just because i'm an enthusiast too yeah if i tell you right now about a dope project you're going to be like yeah that's hot or you're not gonna be like "Mm, i don't know you know so that was one of these calls and he's like well it's already committed to the crc booth who's the major sponsor on the car Mm. i'm like well where's their booth he goes well they're in the new vendor tent outside And I'm like, okay, listen, dude, call the guy at CRC and tell him that I have a prime spot in Central Hall. Him putting the car in my booth with my connections and marketing and getting people around to the booth is going to do 100x what this car is going to do stuck in a corner. No one's ever going to come see it. So he understood what I was able to do. And he got them to be like, all right, even though we're the major title sponsor for the car, you can go put it in the CSF booth. Nice. So it's worked out really well. And then, you know, they had a good story behind it. Going back to the thing I was telling you about, like, you know, you have a dope car, you put it on the internet for a day, it's cool for a day or a week, people are talking about it, but I think now it's more important about the story. Yeah. Because the story lives forever. Mm-hmm. You know, that picture is only there for 24 hours. So he had a good story about getting five engineering kids, you know, students in university to build the car. He owned the car and he was project managing and helping them and all that stuff. But each one of these kids had their own unique expertise. One was like an electric engineer. One was a mechanical, you know, one was really good with like fuel and all that stuff. So um, it all came together. The kids did a really good job. I think last year at, excuse me, I think last year at SEMA, it kind of gave everybody around the booth who was there around these kids like a little jolt of enthusiasm again, because sometimes you get a little jaded, you know, like for us. SEMA can be a grind. Yeah, Yeah. it's fun. You get to see everybody. You know, we're all down for the culture and the industry, but it's like, it goes a lot of work. It's a lot of money. And sometimes you're like, damn, another SEMA show. For vendors, definitely. Yes, dude. Like, yeah, especially for guys like me, dude. Like, (laughs) I'm there from Saturday to Saturday. And I'm standing, I'm I'm waking up at like five in the morning and I'm not going to bed till like one o'clock at night every night. Yeah. You know, because, and you're on your feet for eight hours. You're talking to a million people. So it is a grind. But just seeing how like, enthusiastic these five kids were first time at the SEMA show their cars getting such a great response you know they're in the top 10 of battle of the builders hell yeah and, you know these kids were going ecstatic dude like every time every day where they would do like the four o'clock announcement of who made it to the next round these kids are crying they got tears in their oh, eyes no they're way. hugging they're cheering and it just hell felt yeah. so good to be able to be around that because it almost brought me back to like damn dude that's how i felt when i built the evo and when people were getting that recognition because Dude, sometimes that shit puts you down. You know what I'm saying? So because you put so much effort and time into something, you've done it so many years, you're just like, fuck, another year, you mm-hmm. know? So um, it was a nice little jolt of energy for all of us around the booth. And uh, yeah, so that's how the car came about. And then this summer, we've been really hitting the marketing hard because Corey just had a baby. He lives in Colorado. He's like, yo, dude, why don't I just ship the car down to you in SoCal? Oh, wow. And you just keep it for a few months. Hell yeah. And you just promote the shit out of the car. So it's been in my possession for the last like two or three months. We've done Smoking Tire with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've done like three magazines. It's been on the cover of Performance BMW. Um, yeah, we've just been doing some cool shit with the car. You know, we'll have it at Week Fest this weekend too, dude. So it's good for people to see it. It's a beautiful car. Honestly, Frank, 
the most fun car I've ever driven. Really? 100% hands I bet, down. dude. Dude, so dope. It's like just like a perfect mix of like old school when you're in the car with that power and it sounds so much better than like a regular, you know, F80 or F82 just because it's like an older chassis, like yeah. custom exhaust, all that shit. So, dude, if you ever get a chance, I'll let you drive it, bro. I would it love to, Awesome dude. car. Hell yeah, bro. Yeah, super is dope. Is it the, the, the same uh, trans that went with that motor? Everything. Everything is right out of it in F80. The double clutch. Every uh, this one is manual transmission. Oh, okay. So which gotcha. is pretty sick though. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's good, man. Everything is there. Uh, it sounds awesome. Drives great. No AC, no power steering. So it's still a little old school in that yeah. sense. But I think he's gonna work on putting power steering. I think that would be like the last thing that just takes that thing to like next level build. Yeah. But it's so clean inside, dude. Very cool, man. And that's dope that you give them that opportunity too, because that's like some prime real estate, man. Is with yeah. with your SEMA spot, like you're saying, it's expensive. You got to pay for every square foot that you have in there. And if you have a car that's your homie's car and deadlines don't match up, and you get the car and you have to roll it in, like that's that's not only a bad look that's that's bad uh that, that's bad on the pockets too man oh 100 percent. and i think the biggest knock in our industry is like people roll their cars in a sema it doesn't run i hate that dude like it was really important for me when i built my evo that i was able to start it and drive it in yeah and to be in battle of the builders to even get to that point where you can get into the top 20 or top 10 you need to be able to have your car be able to drive and the Evo made top 20. Evo was top 20, and then this one made top 10. And then the year before, Ryan's car Ryan's car top, top 10. Yeah, top 10 also. Sick, dude. So, yeah, we've had a good string of builds that, you know, have been, uh, you know, have gotten the recognition from, you know, and the, the judges, they know, what they're, they know what they're looking at, you know. It's like RJ from McGuire's mm -hmm. and a couple other guys, but they, they know what they're looking at. So it's, it's going to be a competitive competition every year. So this year is going to be a lot bigger? Um, we, we are doing a very cool project, something like totally out of the realm of what people know, uh, CSF for, as well as both Rywire, who's a big component of the build and Sheepy Race. So it's an F body Camaro, Sick. but with like a very modern import feel to it. So Ryan's going to be doing all the wiring with like the PDM yeah. and the digital dash and like, it's going to be on Cyvex, which has never been done before. You know, Alex has built this like, gangster ass like twin turbo kit, you know, pipes out the hood like it's going to be super dope. I mean, the guy is trying to make 2,500 horsepower with this car. Is it LS? Uh, yep. Big boy LS. And um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of those cars. He His plan is to take it to like shift sector, do over 200, Fuck like yes. big boy stuff, dude. So it's uh, it's cool, you know, and like the wheels that we're going to put on the car and all that stuff. It's not going to be like your typical, you know, just... I went to the Summit Spark catalog and put my F-Body Camaro together. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like, So uh, the guy who owns the car, Eric from E-Money Garage, um, he's a really cool dude, and uh, I think it's going to be a really awesome car that people are going to like seeing. And then we're going to pair that up with my 1,000-horsepower uh, 991 Turbo Project. Sick. So that's the one that we took to Shift Sector back in April. I did 186 in it. You were driving I it? I drove it. Oh, Yeah, shit. so I drove that's the car. Fast. Yeah, it was fast, man. The fastest I've ever gone. But it was like perfect launch control. You just grip the wheel and go, dude. There's a video of it on our Instagram. I'm like literally going like, fuck yeah, motherfuckers, we got this. Because I got to the point where I'm like, yo, dude, this thing is fast. Like, we might win, you know? So our speed held up the entire weekend for the German class. So we were the fastest Porsche of the weekend. Yeah. Um, and, you know, shout out to Alex from Sheepy Race. He was out there, you know, came, was doing mm -hmm. the computer stuff. 
um, you know, just there to support me, you know, like he was just there to help me make sure I could put that car as fast as possible, you know? Yeah, dude, speaking of Sheepy, man, he's like such an inspiration to not only me, but I know a lot of people in the industry and I know a lot of people don't even want to admit it because Sheepy's just fucking murdering it right oh, now. Oh, 100%, You got to give credit where credit's due, man. He, to see somebody come from the same, the same car shows and the same meets and doing the same thing that, that we were doing but then seeing what he's doing now like i'm not in that industry but from the outside looking in i've never seen anything as cool in the lamborghini or ferrari or any of that industry that the high-end stuff of comparing to what he does he's uh he he's an inspiration you know i remember i actually met him through ryan Mm -hmm. so ryan and him were obviously very close and ryan was like yo dude like because i was telling him hey i'm trying to sell intercooler cores like who are the fabricators i can talk to he's like yo you got to go talk to this guy she built but he's all the way out in paris i'm like okay well let me make a drive out there right so i went and met him and you know alex is a different cat you know the way he comes off his personality like you really got to be able to find a way in yeah past his shell but when you do you know he's loyal he's a good friend i mean i would consider him one of my best friends yeah we talk, yeah. We talk every day you know we yeah. facetime each other every day and you know we've we've really grown our companies together over the last four or five years you know we've we've been through it all personal stuff you know industry stuff um you know we're always there for each other and you know, I've seen him from his last shop in Paris, moving to the big place in Temecula, how he's jumped from Hondas and Evos into the exotic scene. And I'm really happy for him. And I'm really happy for his team. He's Definitely. got a lot of good dudes over there. You know, Charlie, Nick, Johnny, um, all those guys, Lenny Luis, like all those guys have done really well. And he treats them right. And, you know, he's at big boy level stuff right now. Yeah. Right. But he uh, he continues to push, you know, and I, I, I learned this from Long at LTMW. I'll never forget when Long told me this. He called me one night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. He's like, yo, dude, I need to get some parts from you like first thing in the morning. I'm like, bro, aren't you at home with your family or some shit? You couldn't have texted me? Like, why are you working right now? He yeah. goes, yo, dude, if I ain't working, I, someone else is going to take my you know, my spot at the top of the hill. I'm like, yo, dude, that's a hustle, dude. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I think we all have that mentality. You know, you too. Like, we all are like, we want to be the best at what we do and we don't want it to be questioned. And yeah. I think Alex is one of those guys too. Like he is really putting his heart and soul into growing his business right now. And he is turning out some fantastic work. Yeah. You know, all those cars are super legit and he's putting his touch on it. You know what I'm saying? And I think because he does have a unique personality as well as all the other guys there, he's been able to capitalize with the marketing. You know, it's like a bunch of rock stars down there, yeah, you know, and yeah. people want to see that, you know, like they're like, wow, these guys all have a personality. They're all talented and they're putting together with all their talents some really dope cars. Yeah, I think that uh, they definitely need their own show at Sheepy Built for sure. And not something on any other network or anything like that. I think I think he has the smarts to handle that himself. Make it. To, I know they've been hustling a lot on YouTube and putting out content. But I think if they had a dedicated show where every, however often, mm -hmm. every week an episode yeah. would come out, dude, he would kill it even more, man. Because the, you're right, the guys that he has working there, it's just so many different personalities. It's something that you you just want to be part of and just want to want to watch the growth of it, man. I've been so excited to see the growth of Sheepy too. Ever since I've met him, you know, he's when I got into the industry in 2009, he was already killing it, dude. Mm -hmm. And then seeing him go from taking over the car the the like the show car community 
And then he went into the race community, and then he started learning the tuning from there, yeah. and then put more effort into the 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 business, doing the turbo kits, and then moving on to the Evo, and just like the, it makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. Yeah, you know what I mean. And those are the kind of people that you need around you. Those are those kind of people that are pushing you forward. And dude, I'm excited to see where where he takes it, bro. But if I was if I was one of those other Han or um lambo companies i would definitely be shook right now bro well you know i mean it, it's crazy because a lot of this stuff you know it's like is it regional or is it like national you know like we do live in southern california weather's nice every day there's a lot of money so if i got a lambo and i'm locally why would i ship it to underground racing or dallas performance across the country yeah alex is there in town you know and he's really filled that void of a twin turbo you know v10 exotic guy who can build you whatever you want in Southern California, you know, no disrespect to him. But I always remember like when he's like, yo, I'm going to do this, you know, Lambo twin, twin turbo stuff. I was like, damn dude, you are kind of out there in, you know, the, the East part of like the whole, you know, Southern California it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. You know, if you live in like proper Los Angeles and you want to get there, no traffic is going to take you two, two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. But He's been able to put his reputation out there and people see his work and they are shipping him his cars and from all over the country. Now it's going all to him, you know? Yeah. So he definitely, I think, has taken a chunk a little bit from, uh, you know, the shops like Dallas Performance, Underground Racing, you know, Hefner, all the other guys. Because, I mean, let's face it, dude, there's only so many guys who want to twin turbo their Lambo. Yeah. But I think Alex and, you know, what I've told him and I think he's learned this from me from some of the parts is he's not just selling them something like cool and fast he's selling them a lifestyle they are now part of that cheapy race community that you know is, is it's cool you know it's not cookie cutter here drop off your check drop off your car come back here it is you're just another paying customer like he really gets to know the people who are his customers he's really trying to make every build very unique you know with the color matching got that for me by the way with all my bmw <laughs> cool he knows it too um i joke with him I'm like, hey alex where'd you get the idea to make those coolers blue you know so um he's doing that you know and charlie and nick have really like stepped it up and trying to make every car very unique and you know credit to him for finding that niche because lambo guys like let's face it if you're a lambo guy you are flashy yeah no one's trying to buy a lambo and like stay under the radar you know what i'm <laughs> yeah exactly it's like oh i bought a lambo i don't want anyone to see me you know like just blinders up right <laughs> like you would have bought something different yeah. so with that now these lambo guys who have money want to take it to the next level because they want to stand out in front of all the other lambo guys mm -hmm. and alex has really been able to like feed that ecosystem of like yo you drop your car at my place you are going to be king dick from wherever you are you yeah. know like you are going to be that guy that you can pop your you know hood in the back or rev your engine and blow flames or show people what you got and we can like now he stepped it up with like yo, you want your wheels you want your carbon like i'll do the whole car for you yeah. you know so yeah credit to him man he, he's done a really good job so yeah hopefully i have uh the pleasure of working with him one day that's my goal bro is to get me a hurricane there you go but uh i'm still building here bro yeah no dude i mean you got something good here dude that's a good vibe in this room i'm having fun thank you man i'm excited dude and one reason that we wanted to do this podcast is because we get to like have a lot deeper conversations than just at sema yeah 100 combo or even when we went to japan you know it's not like we're just sitting there getting to know each other yeah and it's so crazy that you've known people for years but all your conversations together wouldn't even equal uh, an hour or so oh yeah you know 
I, I feel like the the art of communication is something that's that's really being lost and it's just because us being business owners and busy all the time we really don't have much time to like sit around and, and talk to each other and that's why i always appreciate everybody that makes time to come out here and just talk about these things that we think about you know and big up these people that are out here hustling and motivating people that they don't even know that they're doing you know it's like you're able to give people the flowers before while they can still smell them yep and you know for me i was i was one honored and flattered that you wanted to have me on here because i think i'm different than most of the other guys in this industry i i really put csf first you know there's no ravi at csf where like i've tried to make a celebrity or just a personality of myself because i'm trying to go my brand and let's say i gotta step away or i take my brand in a different direction like if i start doing industrial stuff or agricultural stuff i don't want people to be like oh ravi is csf mm-hmm. you know so i think this podcast gives people a little bit more insight into who's the guy who's driving the machine you know so they understand what we're really all about you know and like yeah you'll see me on the internet whether i'm at alex's place or you know in the magazines or doing stuff for like you know sema battle the builders like yeah i'm the guy who's like turning the wheel but um i think this podcast gives people a little bit better insight into what i'm really all about and you know just kind of like shoot the shit with the homie you know like this is what we're doing here so it's dope man i appreciate you coming so let's dive into the 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 meat of it dude how did you even start the company okay for sure so um my my family has always been in the cooling system manufacturing business since the 40s okay and we yeah so 1940s we actually uh my great grandfather and my grandfather and my two great uncles so we're, we're talking about a dad and his three sons okay this is in the 40s in a garage in india started repairing radiators because they were all made out of copper brass. So it was like a Dunlop Tyler uh, Dunlop Tires like little insta- installation center and they were just like became known in the city of Bombay um, also known as Mumbai now in India as a place to go if you needed your radiator repaired mm-hmm. because back then you used to be able to fix these copper brass rays with some solder and stuff like that. So it went from fixing radiators to then making radiators. They you know started to uh, make enough money where they bought a little bit of a small factory bought the equipment and they started making their own replacement radiators and then they started doing industrial stuff and agricultural stuff and just if you needed radiators this is the place that you went Mm -hmm. um so that was in the 40s and they grew that business and then my dad was born and my dad got involved with the business so now we're talking about like you know second third generation right there he came to university at the long beach at long beach state and Um, At that same time, my grandfather and my dad had the idea of, okay, well, let's start exporting the products out of India to other places in the world. So they opened up a factory in Singapore Mm -hmm. and they opened the factory up in Singapore in the 70s. And this is when Singapore was like it was like a very infant, brand new country. And the government was like giving out grants to like people who wanted to come and set up businesses. So um my dad and my grandfather started this factory in singapore making copper brass radiators my dad decided to stay in the u.s and he was the first person in the u.s to have replacement radiators for hondas datsuns and toyotas because all the domestic factories were only making stuff for domestic cars it was the exact same time all these import cars started to show up Uh into the u.s so my dad was the only one who had these replacement radiators. Wow. So that's how he brought it in, and this was in the 70s. So then when I joined the family business after I graduated college, 
uh, which would be like 2009, I was really passionate about high performance and you know, I always like always one of those auto shop kids and like I, I enjoyed what my dad did, but I didn't want to really do the same thing he did, yeah. right? Like to me that's a lot of like in no disrespect to him, it's a lot of like pushing boxes, mm-hmm. you know? It's like a volume business, you know? Yeah. I wanted to do something that kind of tied into my passion. So I started CSF Race in tw- in, in 2009. And yeah, I just, you know, it took me a while to get it going. Like I wasn't making any money. You know, and I got to the point where I started to feel a little dejected, like year four or five, you know, I was taking loans out from my dad. I was like showing up to the SEMA show, you know, this is like fourth year. I'm sitting there. I remember it was like 2013 or 14 with the Liberty Walk Porsche. First one in the world. We did the project with BBI because some people knew about my brand, but I wasn't getting a break. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like people knew it was good and they would see it with some of these bigger shops and partners. Um, That was the same year I met Ryan. And I just couldn't get a distributor. Like, I couldn't get, like, a Turn 14 or a Motivicity or, like, a Summit or Keys. I couldn't get anybody to buy my stuff because it was, like, we already have, like, two or three cooling brands. Mm -hmm. Like, why do we need you? Yeah. You know, that was always the answer I got. It was, like, why do we need you? Like, for me at that point, you know, I was, like, I grew up a Honda kid, so I was making import stuff they had. You know, if you wanted, like more of the mid-grade bottom feeder shit you bought the mishimoto stuff if you wanted the better higher grade stuff you bought koyo yeah and there was really no room for what we were doing so i was like fuck dude what am i gonna do because i'm literally getting stonewall at every opportunity i'm like begging dudes to come by my booth and every year it's like okay we'll see we'll see you know like we'll talk to you next year or it was like ah we got too many lines we're taking on right now maybe next year you know and i was like Year four or five, I remember I was like, you know, truthfully super dejected at SEMA. I started like tearing up in the booth. Damn. It was like year, it was like the third or fourth day, and I was like looking around. I'm like, fuck, dude, nobody wants this shit. I've been doing this for five years now, and I can't get anybody to like come in and do it. And then you know, I just that year four or five summer, like right after SEMA, like I started to come out with some products that nobody else had, and you know, finally like Michael Essa won Formula Drift. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first guys I ever sponsored. I cooled his entire car. And I remember there were a couple races where his uh, the guys who was racing against, they had to uh, they had to call like timeouts because their cars were overheating. And Mike was there ready to go every lap, like summer of Texas, and he won. Ooh, and hey. I think that helped a lot because yeah. people like people, you know, just because I have a small sticker on the car, people noticed that the other guy was overheating. Yeah. People noticed that, hey, this guy's cool by CSF, you know. And then there were some Porsches who were doing like global time attack, 110 degrees at button willow. They were only ones on the track because, and then they go back into the pitch, like, what, what do you use for your cool? And so, oh, I got this new brand, CSF, you know. So, like, it just started to build met guys like ryan who came up to me he's like yo i've been making these tuck radiators with another company but i think they could be better you know and him and i just collaborated and he came in with some awesome ideas and i just took it to the next level i'm like yo dude if you give me a chance i'm gonna make you like the most badass tuck radiator that's gonna like really push out all the guys who try to copy you yeah you know so it just like that year four or five i finally got my first distributor you know a small distribution company and out in baltimore p1 performance um, they gave me a chance, and it just started to slowly build. And I think, you know, as a as a testament to hard work and, you know, inspiration to anybody listening to this podcast who's, like, trying to make that, you know, jump into their own business or, like, feels like they're not going anywhere, spinning the wheels, you just got to keep pushing. And it usually happens at that point when you're about to give up. Yeah. It, it really is, can you get through that ceiling, you know? Like, can you push through and break that glass? And I think that is where you might have some success. 
So after that, it was just like every year it started to go crazy. You know, year five, it was like, oh shit, we just grew 50%. So now it's going like this. And then year six, we're like, damn, we did 100%. And then year seven, we're like, we did another 100%. And now it's just like doubling every year yeah. because we're coming out with stuff that is way sicker and way more notable. And the brand starting to become fresh. And, you know, we started getting big breaks with like either like professional race car guys or like big companies like Speed Hunters took us on as a, like a, par- a supplier partner. And that was huge. Once we got into speed hunters, it was like next level because they get 5 million hits a month. Yeah. And, you know, their logo, my logo was on the homepage and they're like in every country in the world. So now people are emailing us like, yo, how do I get your products in this country? How do I get your products in this country? And it just started going nuts. So now, you know, we're in year 10 or actually year 11, 10th year at the SEMA show coming up. And this year we're up 40% over last year. Good for you, man. Yeah, so it's working well, you know. I mean, but, you know, we still got the stress of any other business, you know, trying to manage the growth. Um, You know, now we live in this global economy where, you know, my my father told me, he's like, hey, Robbie, don't forget the government picks the winners and losers, you know. So now we have some implications with tariffs, you know. There's problems with CARB. There's, like, EO certification. You know, there's all these things that, you know, add cost to the business. Yeah. You know, labor prices are going up, insurance is going up. So it's all affecting the bottom line, but the growth is good. Um, international business is blowing up. Um, and we just work with a lot of cool people all over the world. And I think that's the best part about the industry. You know, it's like because we love cars, we get to travel to places like Tokyo. We yeah. get to meet places, people in different countries. And that you probably would never have a chance to have that relationship with. But I feel like I've become friends with everybody I work with. I, and you're probably the same way. I don't want to work with anybody I don't like. Yeah, hell that yeah. fucking sucks. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You're like, fuck, I got to meet with this guy right now. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's good, man. That's good for you, man. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. So the, the, your, your father's company, what was the name of that? So it's CSF. Still CSF. So it's CSF, and then I started like the CSF High Performance and Race Division. So uh, we actually have, uh, um, we built one really big building like five years ago. I got the top floor. He's on the bottom floor. But because of the nature of what we do, we have really started to... Um, work off the economies of scales for both companies we use all of our same factories you know we have the same warehouse we have the same accounting department same order function so we're able to keep the cost down for both of our businesses Mm -hmm. you know i pay him lease but it's his business he owns it and i get to use some of the functions of what he's doing but um yeah it's kind of it, it kind of was started as like a company within a company and now it's really become two different brands of it right you have the csf you know corporation then you have the csf racing and high performance division so where would you get the the regular csf stuff at uh where's that sold so that's th- that's sold through distribution companies as well um but it's a different type of distributor you know like a company like turn 14 or motivicity they're very like hyper focused on selling you aftermarket performance parts yeah you know but a guy like rock auto that you see commercials online they just want to sell you replacement stuff Mm -hmm. you know or you know keystone or u.s auto parts or any of these like you know even like AutoZone, pet boys any of those companies Oh, really yeah so a lot of those companies you know they sell replacement radiators Mm -hmm. they don't really sell high performance stuff you know, so there was a disconnect. And I think that was the biggest lesson I had to learn when I was starting this. Like I was trying to sell my parts through my father's customers and they were just not into it. Yeah. You know, because that volume game is like, yo, what's the price? I just need a good price, mm-hmm. you know, because the next guy wants a good price. Yeah. And like, they don't really care about the brand, you know? That's why I was like, 
that doesn't excite me. Like I want to build something. I want to build something that has like notoriety and people care about it. Like it makes me feel good when someone like calls one of my distributors or dealers and says, Hey, I want a CSF radiator. You know, I'm like, that's what I want to build, you know? So yeah, it's going well. Europe is doing really well right now. Um, we're up like a hundred percent in Europe right now. So, you know, just trying to crack into these, uh, foreign international markets. It's, it's been good. Now, what about the, uh, BMW community? Are you pretty big in there? Yeah, I think, I think the BMW stuff, especially when we came out with the F80 stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we were the first ones out there with like the charge cooler and like the whole package, like heat exchanger and transmission coolers that took the brand to the next level because there was F80 guys all over the world who wanted that. And that drove dealers to call us. And then that drove distributors to call us. And that was really like that home run product that we've come out with in the last three years that has just driven the brand sales yeah. globally. You know, that got us into Japan, got us into Australia, places like India, the Middle East, you know, all over Europe because everyone was like, it's like crack, dude. We can't keep that stuff on the shelf. Yeah. You know, like we get 25, 50 in, 100 in, they're all gone. That's dope dude all gone they're all gone dude like we can't never keep enough of those in stock i couldn't make enough of those for how many people want them and you know then we started doing the cool shit like different colors yeah you know and that's why i think you know it's it's the same thing like alex and i have always talked about it down at sheepy it's like we're building a lifestyle you know it's authentic like when we do some crazy colorway on this somebody's gonna buy that for their engine because they want that uniqueness Mm -hmm. you know i personally go to the powder coater and pick every one of those individual colors myself. I don't send anybody else to do it. Yeah. So if a guy calls and says, yo, I want orange, I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get you the dopest orange you've ever seen. And when we put that and that customer gets it, he tells everybody about it. You know, like we do a lot of blues and reds. They're never the same. Mm-hmm. They're always different. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, you know, we get we put them all on our website and sometimes guys go, I want that blue. Or sometimes guys will be like, yo, I just want blue. Yeah. Because... They'll talk to me about it. Like, I'll personally take the call and I'll be like, okay, well, what color is your car? What are you trying to do with it? Like, what kind of match are you trying to do? And once I talk to them about it, a lot of them have the confidence that I'm going to give them something they like. I've only had like one guy be like, nah, dude, I don't like this. No, really? And I'm like, all right, fuck, dude. You can't, you can't win them all. You know, we'll make you another one, you know? Yeah. But then we sold that to somebody else. So it all works out. Um, but yeah, that that's that was a home run product. And now we're, you know, it's kind of flattering. We're kind of getting ripped off now really yeah dude our shit's getting backdoor people are buying our rejected castings you know they were like coming out with like mickey mouse gimmicky ones i haven't even seen that. yeah dude so hey tiago at vrsf we we see you bro ripping off all our shit burger tuning you too bro <laughs> you know but you know wow. what nobody wants the stuff dude yeah. it's got fucking kmart wells kmart fucking powder coating yeah. you know it looks like some blind guy welded it up who knows <laughs> And I'm serious, and I'm not even talking shit. I'm just seeing it from what I see, you know. Like, and but they sell it for like five hundred bucks. Yeah, our sells for two thousand dollars, and we still can't keep it in stock because you, as an F eighty two owner, would you really go buy a knockoff part? Hell that, no. Fuck no, it's dude. Yeah, dude. We're not talking about like buying fake Jordans here. They like you know don't work on your feet. You just get new shoes. Like these don't work in your car. You're blowing your engine, dude. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Like. The minute you start mixing like coolant into your engine, like game over, you know. Yeah. BMW ain't gonna replace that, you know. So, um, I think I think the brand is really starting to have some clout, and it's what people want, you know. Mm. 
you want that confidence that you're buying something from a true manufacturer. We manufacture all of these parts in house. And I think that is the biggest thing that nobody else is doing. You know, we aren't subcontracting this from some other person. We aren't just spray painting our name on a core. Like I engineer a lot of the products ourselves or, or like I'm involved. That's what, really what I do most of the time. It's like, how are we going to come out with better products, right? Yeah, I so, remember when you came down here and you were uh, test fitting the, I believe it was intercoolers. Yeah, at Ronnie's shop. Yeah, Ronnie's shop. RD Engineering, yeah, yeah, shout yeah. out to Ronnie, you shout know? Out to Ronnie. So, um, yeah, you know, we had like the 3D prototypes and it was for the 991 Turbo. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure it works right, you know? I had my engineer there and we were like putting him in the car. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, who we say we are, we really are. Yeah. You know, it's not like the Instagram smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You know, when you come to our warehouse and you see what we're all about or you see the cars we built or the people we like, the circles we run with, that is who CSF is. So we are, um, you know, we keep it real. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. It's when I, when I see people knocking off parts and people supporting those knockoffs, I mean, whatever. It's your money. Do whatever the fuck you want to yeah. do with it. But like from a true enthusiast standpoint, that's just... It's embarrassing. Like I wouldn't want to support somebody who didn't create that product, who's not passionate about it, who has nothing to stand behind it besides they're selling it. Like no, dude, I, I'll save up until I can afford the, the real deal, shit, the real shit, yeah. dude. Because that's the part of the culture that I that I resonate with. That's the one that I want to represent, and I want them to represent me. So when you see my car. It has all of these parts from these companies, even in our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Hasport, you got Rywire, yep. you know, Checkered Sports. These are guys that I know for a fact that they are in the culture. Yeah, I see them at shows, I see them at events, and I see what they're doing and how they're building their company. And even if somebody sold something, if somebody sold Hasport mounts but without the logo and it's the same exact thing. I don't want it. No. Because it's not Hasport. It's not, dude. You know, and you could you could think however you want about that, but when you're going to the grocery store, you're not buying the fucking big duffel bag of fake ass dino bites, you know? You <laughs> yeah. gotta get the fruity pebbles. Yeah, dude, yeah. This is what I want. I don't yeah. know what the hell exactly. is in this big dog food bag. <laughs> you know, it's just Yeah, I mean listen, it's like there's a market for everybody, right? Like, okay, mine's two thousand dollars, the next guy's five hundred bucks. The guy who's buying the replica knockoff shit was never my customer in the first That's place. That's a different part of the culture. You know what I'm saying? Like the guy, like either he can't afford it or he doesn't just believe in the same things you and I believe. You know, if everyone just buys replica knockoff shit, there goes innovation mm-hmm. because it's the company who comes out with the stuff who has poured their money into the R and D, the testing, the inju- like the design, like the concept, dude. Like if you take away that spirit of the industry and it doesn't have to just be automotive, it's anything. There's really no reason for guys like you, me or anybody who's doing it to create. Yeah. 100%. You know Why? Why am I going to come out with something just so the next guy can knock me off and like eat off my plate, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, this is what like bothers me about these guys. And this is why I have no reason calling them out. Like, yo, come up with your own shit or come up with something that's better than mine. Yeah. Why are you trying to just knock my stuff off with an inferior product and just slap a lower price tag on it and think people are going to buy it? Yeah. You know, but that's, you know, when I started to see all these knockoffs and it was like literally like two weeks in a row, dude, it was just like 20 knockoffs are coming from China, you know, like Alibaba's got it. These fuckers got it. Like everyone's got it, you know, and they're all coming from the same place. So mm-hmm. someone's either backdoored my stuff, you know, obviously they're not using our core technology because we make that in house, but like castings are diamond dozen everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but now I, 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 I kind of took a step back and, and I remember my dad told me this. He's like, yo, Robbie, 
if fucking Nike can't figure out their counterfeit problem, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. He's like, if K&N air filters are getting knocked off around the whole world, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. You know, he's like, you just got to take it in stride and move on to the next thing. And always remember that you've grown a brand that's got some weight to it now. Yeah. You know, if you are a dope ass M3 or M4 owner and you're at the car show and you want to stunt with your engine bay and you open it up and you got a charge cooler that looks like mine, but it doesn't say CSF on it, you look like a fucking tool. 100%. 100%. I don't know dude. how people... People do not get that. I don't get it either. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay. Like, you can be that guy, but I didn't want you rocking my shit anyways because that says something about you, you yeah. know? And that's, I'm okay with that. Yeah, have we lost a couple of sales? That's fine, dude, but I can't even keep them in stock. So they do them <laughs> and we do us, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, I've, I've been through that personally, man. And ever since we've come up, you know, when we started Downstar, there, the hardware, it wasn't a thing. Yeah, people have been knocking your shit off for, yeah. for years, and, dude. And I used to get really emotional about yeah, exactly. it. And, and kind of invested in and you know even do online beefs and stuff like mm -hmm. that but do my mentality of it now is is it's like my children you know that that's my idea and they're doing their own thing with it go ahead bro because half is the product but the other half is the brand yeah and you can't have that that's yeah. that's me you can never steal it you can't you can't yeah. be that mm -hmm. if you had that personality if you had the ideas if you had that creativity you wouldn't you wouldn't have copied me mm -hmm. you would have built your own thing you know and i don't want anybody to take this as shade bro no disrespect to any of those guys anybody i've ever had beef with i've squashed it with them but fact is fact that was our idea and you guys copied it and now you're going to be known as the people who knocked off Downstar. Mm -hmm. And that's cool, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll take that any day because I'm not the company that knocked off anybody. We're the guys that are moving forward. And any ideas that we've come up with that somebody has copied, that was something that I came up with years ago. Oh, yeah. Dude. I'm not even the same person I was last year. I'm not even doing the same things that I did last year. So they're always going to be in the past so i always like to focus on the future the things that we're going to do in the future the the ideas that we're going to come up with then and dude you just got to keep moving forward you know and i i know that it's like it bothers you because they copied your idea but they copied your idea. Yeah. They're looking at you yeah. as inspiration. No matter how big these companies are, no matter how long they've been around, they're tapped out. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, how do we keep going on? Oh, yeah. This guy, he came up with this new idea. Let's let's go that way. You know, so it's it's the ones that the, the movers and the shakers and the ones that that, that are making the, the community move forward, dude. Those are the ones that the eyes are on. All, all the other guys, it's just like it's, it's the fish on the shark. Yeah. You know, eating the crumbs. Well, and you know what? Like, now, like the, the perspective that you just talked about and the way I've started to see things, it's like, you know, People are copying us now. That must mean we're doing something right. And now we're ahead of the game. Yeah. You know, like they're biting at our toes, mm -hmm. you know, and it's okay. It's like, listen, dude, all the guys who just started copying me now, like I've sold over a thousand of those charge coolers. What are they going to sell? Fucking 10, yeah. 20? Like who cares? I've sold over a thousand and I got so many new products on the way this year. You know, we're releasing like 10 new products at SEMA this year. Shit no one's ever seen. Really taking it to the next level for a bunch of different cars. By the time they catch up with the next thing, we'll be on to the next 10 products, mm -hmm. you know? So... 
Yeah, I mean, it's just all about, like, you can't take your foot off the gas. Yeah. You can't get complacent. You can't get comfortable. You know, I can't ride this F80 wave for the rest of my life and think that, you know, I'm going to have the whole market forever. You know, it could be a great product that I'll sell, you know, maybe 10000 when I'm all done with it. But we got to keep on coming with new stuff, you know, because we got to keep all those haters and all the guys who are going to copy us at bay, you yeah. know. By the time they figured to copy us, I got going to have 20 new BMW parts mm-hmm. on the shelf. So, yeah, just keep pushing. So going into the BMW community, what kind of similarities or differences do you see from that versus, say, the Mitsubishi or the Honda community? Um, I think uh, there's a couple things because the BMW community, I think, is very the same. I think a lot of car like makes and model industries are kind of the same. You have the guys who want to race. You guys have the want to show. And you have the guys who want to look like they race, but it's really just for show. Mm-hmm. You know, those are like the Venn diagram. Yeah, that's you a know? good way to put it. it. It's really what it is, right? So you <laughs> got this Venn diagram. And so the race guys want proper shit that works. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're just like e, like older BMW guys, like E46, E92. And they're just like, dude, I'm going to buy really good parts for whatever my budget is. And I just want to be either that weekend warrior race car guy or I'm like really trying to be competitive in like BMW CCA or whatever they're doing. Yeah. Right. They a lot of BMWs are like notorious for overheating. So we've been able to come up with a solution for those guys. Um, and it's nice because we are the only company that you can get a full cooling package from. You know, you can get your radiator, you can get your oil cooler, you can get your transmission cooler, you can get your intercooler. We're talking about four different products mm-hmm. made at four different factories of ours that we bring it into our warehouse and we can sell you a package. You can buy one part, you can buy two, three, or four. Sick. You Hell know? Yeah. So nobody in the world can do that. And that's really why we are the leaders in the BMW cooling space. So then you got your show guys on the other side, right? They just like, like just like the Honda guys, like, yo, I want this to be blue because the outside of my car is blue, and I want this pinstripe to match this. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. we're feeding into that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not just like black. You want a different color, dude? I'm just trying to sell coolers. You want it fucking piss green? Here comes your piss green cooler, dude. Like, I'll do it for you, you know? You want it to be highlighters and match your Yeezy so you can, like, put your foot up next to your thing? Whatever, dude. Like, we'll make it happen, you know? Like, there's a cost to everything. But if you want us to do it, we'll do it. Because all I'm, at the end of the day, I'm interested to do is pushing more coolers. And I like doing, like, the creative stuff, you know? Like, one of our boys, Yost Autosport, he was uh, doing 24 hours of Thunder Hill, 25 hours of Mm -hmm. Thunder Hill race. It's a professional race team, dude. But he's like a homie of mine. We hydro dipped that thing in $100 bills. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and it's cool because like when we do stuff like that, we can talk about it. You yeah. know, And that, that kind of like gives the ecosystem of what CSF all is, is all about. You get, the, you get the culture behind the brand and you understand that we also do want to have some fun. You know? yeah. So you, know, you have the race guys and you have the show guys. And then you have the guys who are like, I want good stuff. Because I'm a show car and I do want to stunt and I want to have all the baller stuff like the carbon and like the wheels and the suspension. But I do have an F80 and if I want to hit the gas, I want to go fast. Yeah. You know, the highway pullers, you know, those guys. So we have all that whole market covered because we make stuff for the race guys. Mm -hmm. If you're a show guy and you want to buy it, I'll take your money. I'm not going to be like, no, you don't need this. You know what I'm saying? I'll be honest with you, but you want it for the bling, you can have it for the bling. You want it for the race, it's going to work, you know? And that's why we're very, you know, a lot of the marketing that we're doing right now is going to straight motorsport stuff. We just had an M2 uh, do Pikes Peak Mm -hmm. and finish, which is a big deal. So we were the title sponsor for the car. Shout out to Ty Speed, Tyler Pappas. And, uh, you know, he's the guy we had his uh, car at our booth at the PRI show last year. 
we helped develop and he helped us develop like the ultimate cooling kit for that you know bmw m2 n55 engine and you know he did pike's peak he did well we're going to send him to like speed ring for motivicity we're going to send him to global time attack maybe grid life just to showcase like hey here's a dope ass race car that csf has put their money behind with their cooling package and this is what you get so the guy who just wants to stunt with his bagged you know three series and wants his intercooler to pop out he wants what the race car guy has yeah you know i learned this from uh the old ceo of kw suspension he goes robbie I'll tell you something that you just got to fucking follow. I'm like, all right, cool. Then this old white guy's going to tell me something. All right, whatever. You're president of KW, so yeah. I'll sit here and listen to you. I got nothing better to do, right? So he's like, just sponsor winners. Uh-huh. He goes, just get your stuff on winning cars. People just want what the winner has. And he was absolutely right. Yeah. You know? everybody's looking at what those race cars got guys got on their cars so if somebody wins a race and he's got these types of wheels or that type of suspension that goes a long way yeah so we really just look for very talented car builders and race car drivers to work with because we want them to showcase our products nobody gives a fuck about what cooling system came on the sixth place car yeah you know like you could be second place to 10th place or all my competitors Mm mm-hmm and it might be my biggest competitor has six of those other nine cars. I just want to be first place. Yeah. You know, so that's going back to what I was saying about we're just very selective of who we work with because it's not about how many cars are out there winning. We either want the dopest car at the show or the first guy at the racetrack. That's really what we're looking for, you know, and everything else just kind of falls in line, you know. I mean, you're the same way as me, and I know the Honda community is notorious for this. You probably get a thousand sponsorship requests dms every day i have it on my phone if i type out because it's 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 commonly misspelled s-p-o-n-c-e-r <laughs> so i put it in my phone whenever i put that it automatically puts a little paragraph you know thank you unfortunately we're not sponsoring right now but yeah every day every day know? and no no shot to them whatever shoot your shot but yeah you're shooting in the wrong hoop over yeah. <laughs> yeah no dude it's like hey i don't have time to answer you if I was just sitting there all day answering sponsorship requests, I would. I need a full time guy to do that. Yeah. You know. But B, it's like, yo, if you want the product, pay for the product. You know, like nobody watching the Foot Locker and be like, yo, is Michael Jordan gonna sponsor me right now? I hoop in high school. You yeah. know, like, okay, cool, dude. So, I don't know. I th- I just think the way the internet works, there's too much like accessibility to guys like you or me or uh-huh. other brands just to be able to be like, yo, sponsor me. But I feel like the brands who are hanging their hat on either just being the cheapest price or, you know, just another brand who's just competing in this like kind of blah space. Yeah. They're very insecure. Uh huh. So they're just like sponsor anybody because they don't want that guy to just go buy the right parts because they feel like they're losing market share. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I used to be like, you know, I'll give a shout out, you know, this is a story that just happened. So BBI Autosport just built this crazy time attack Porsche that just did Pike's Peak. And one of my biggest competitors, like high-end competitors, CNR Racing, is the cooling sponsor on it. Mm-hmm. Instead of hating on it, I was like, yo, that's a dope build that they're on. You know, like good for them to team up with guys like BBI and do some cool shit. And their stuff works. So, you know, round of applause to everybody in the room on that one, right? Yeah. Because that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't be on every car. Yeah. But we're not going to hate. And I'm not going to not watch the like the show just because my stuff's not on it. And every time, you know, there's a picture of the car and it's got somebody else's logo, I don't like cringe. I'm yeah. like, it's, 
you know like hey we're all playing a game of chess here you know what i'm saying they're doing their thing it's comp it's competition it's motorsports and we're doing our thing you know so but you got to be happy for everybody else's success as well so yeah no definitely man like you said earlier the pie is big bro and and before i was a lot more small-minded than i was now you know and um there's been some of our competitors that they they've done things and i've seen them like ah oh, that's pretty cool you know that good for you man because at the end of the day no matter if they're a competitor no matter if you see this brand and it's like downstar versus this brand at the end of the day i'm frank that's somebody else that person has a family mm -hmm. they have a kids as as proud as, as my parents are of me as yours are of you their parents are proud of them just for them doing something su successful their kids look up to them that's my dad that's my you know so when i see something like that and if, and if i could have inspired that person to create a product that allows them to give that to their family that certain certain feeling if they could be looked at as like a hero then dude so be it you know i'm i'm not going broke over here mm -hmm. and they're not going broke and we're we're all eating so yeah. it doesn't matter you know how i like to look at downstar downstar is a representation of everything that i find fun mm -hmm. I've, I've been in the workforce ever since i was 16 years old 16 to 2012 and from that time i understood that that isn't what i wanted my life to be like so i tried as hard as i could to get away from that and i want to do things that are fun to me and that's basically all downstar is and and if i can just do that forever that's success to yeah. me and if somebody sells a product that's like mine or comparable or does the same thing that's cool but i'm doing my own thing over here this is my this is my world that i'm building and everybody that's involved in it and everybody that's part of it this is this is my ecosystem that really doesn't have anything to do with whatever somebody else is doing you know so it's love to everybody bro yeah you know if you if you can if you can step away from that nine to five like rat race and do your own thing do much love to you no matter if it is like stepping on toes or whatever that's just like that that's that's in a different ballpark you know and I, you know you just touched on like the nine to five thing dude i don't think people realize like if you really love what you do, you're probably going to put way more hours in the 9 to yeah, 5. Hundred percent, yeah. dude. Like yeah. I've had the 18-hour days, the 20-hour days. I mean, I mean, I remember Ryan like trying to get his S2K ready for like last year's team or something. That guy was doing like four days in a row. I'm like, "What are you on right now?" You know? It's like, <laughs> "Jesus Christ, take a nap." You yeah. know? Like, "Boy, dude, you're going to kill yourself." You know, relax. But yeah, if you find something you love, um, you know, and like you said, you tried so hard not to have to go down that like that cookie-cutter desk job. And, you know, I was fortunate to be able to, like, grow into something that I had an opportunity to have. Um, it's the best feeling, you know. Being an entrepreneur gives you the best joys of life. It gives you super flexibility in your own schedule. Go where you want. Do what you want. But there's a lot of responsibilities on your plate as well. Like, you have employees. Mm -hmm. I have employees. Like, the success of my company really matters to them you yeah. know ultimately we're putting food on their plates at mm -hmm. their home you know like what's mom and dad gonna get for their christmas presents depends on how well my company does so i can put the bonuses out yep. you know so i i take i think about that every day you know i think about what the brand is all about the responsibilities i have as an owner um and i think you know if you love what you do you don't mind having to put those extra hours you know for my own family but for employees and for the industry and what you're trying to build you know like I know to you, Frank, like Downstar is life. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And CSF is the same way for me. You know, like 
I, you know, I'm not beneath or above any of my employees. You know, if I got to get there and clean the car or jack it up or take it to a show first and be the first one there in the morning, 100% I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to almost like lead by example, you know, and, but I think people notice that, right? Like I go to a lot of shows now and, you know, people want to like not throw shade, but they're just joking like, oh, what's the owner doing over here at CSF? And it's like, yo, I'm here because I love it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be here all day too. You know, so hi. So yeah, man. That's I think I think that's what it's all about. So you've been able to brand CSF into something else than just um, a radiator and a cooler company. It's 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 a cool company now. It's something that people want to be a part of. How do, how does your dad feel about what what you've been able to create off of something that that was before you? Uh, you know, like when I was. When I started, I was like 21 and I was still trying to understand like the landscape of like major distribution because like the business was never set up to sell retail. Mm -hmm. So it was never going to be online sales or any of that stuff. But I was like low key trying to sell radiators on eBay. Like that's how I started. Like I would make a few all aluminum radiators at his factory and like do a run of 20 for like Honda Civics. And I would just literally just try to be hustle these on eBay, taking calls. And it's like I didn't understand the power of distribution. And I still think today people don't understand what a distribution channel and like a dealer network can do for you. You know, like mm-hmm. you literally then have tentacles all over the world in different languages selling your stuff, you know. So once I figured that out and I learned a lot of that from my dad, because I would be like, Dad, why don't I just like go online and like sell direct? He goes, you got to build your distribution network. You got to focus everything on doing this because these are the ones who are going to be buying truckloads of stuff from you. You know, yeah. And then you only got like ten or twenty customers, not a million guys who want to call you. And you probably have dealt with this. Like, how sick is my car? Oh, let me tell you about this car I got. You know, yeah. and I'm trying to do this, and you're like, damn, dude, I'll be on the phone for half an hour to sell this guy a fucking ten dollar pack of bolts, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that must blow your mind. And I had to do that too. And um, you know, I think when I was like 22, 23, I had gotten a DUI. Mm-hmm. The business was going nowhere. You know, no one was buying it. It was like spinning the wheels. I was getting in trouble with the law. And my dad was just like, him and I were arguing because he didn't see the vision of what I was trying to do. And I'm like trying to like branch off, but not have to like listen to him. But he was still giving me loans for it, you know. And we started to really butt heads. And that's when I moved to Canada. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's when I moved to Canada because he's like, all right, listen, you can do what you want with the performance stuff, but I felt like he didn't really believe in it. So uh-huh. he's like, why don't you help me go open up Canada for like CSF? So oh, we had wow. CSF Canada. He goes, you can do your high performance stuff, but just go there. And, you know, I think that was a big learning lesson for me. I left California where I'd always been, you know, had trouble with the law, showed up to Toronto with two suitcases. I didn't know a single person. Yeah, I didn't know a single person literally showed but two suitcases. I had to find a place to live. I met with like a real estate broker. You know, we signed like a one year lease on a small commercial building. You know, then I had to go buy a desk and then I had to build the desk <laughs> and then I had to buy the computer and set that up. And then I had to call the services, you know, just like started a business literally from the ground up. Yeah. And I would do that from like seven in the morning to like six o'clock. And then I would get on the phone and try to hustle high performance stuff from like six to 12. Uh-huh. You know, it was literally like all day at the office. I would sleep there and I got a couple employees and I grew the business in Canada a lot. Like, I mean, we went from having like three customers to having 30 customers and I was selling all over Canada and I learned a lot from the friends that I met over there and uh, cause they were all older than me, but they were hustlers, dude. And yeah. we're talking about like different industries. Like they were like lawyers, 
restaurant owners, you know, like stockbrokers. Like these are the guys I started to look at when I was like 23 and 24. I'm like, damn, I, I, I want what these guys have. I love the hustle, you know? And I think that started to translate to my business in Canada, but then also like started to like really translate to the performance stuff. So then when the Canadian dollar crashed, a few years ago, I was like, all right, man, I'm going back. I'm doing the performance stuff 100%. And that's really when it just like continued to blow up. And that's when I think it just really opened up my dad's eyes. So like, oh, shit, this thing is really going to work. You know, yeah. like it got to a point where he's like, fuck, dude, I think you're making more money than I am. <laughs> um, well, you shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> you know, so, wow. yeah, I mean, um, I think he's really proud about it. You know, yeah, and I, th- I think, uh, you know, my, my grandfather looking down is probably proud of it. Like, you know, my uncles in India are like looking at what I'm doing because, mm-hmm. you know, they all come to like Apex and SEMA show and they used to see it and they they see the booth, but they don't see the what the business is doing. Yeah. You know, they don't see the orders going out the door. So they don't know if it's like, is this a guy just wasting, you know, company and family money or is this a guy really making you know, good bread and like the business is successful. So now I think everybody sees that, you know, like this is a standalone viable company. We're doing very well. And, uh, you know, the team is good, you know, shout out to the guys who've been with me for the last few years, like Ken, you know, sales and marketing manager now, but you know, he's been I like him, bro. Oh, Ken's Ken's like great a brother guy. to me, dude. Like outside of business, great friend. I mean, I'm not the easiest guy at work, you know, especially with this wedding that we just had, dude, yeah. I was fucking stressed out, dude. I'd come in, blow up on people like just like too much shit going on yeah you know and like chinese tariffs and all this crazy shit happening it was all just a perfect storm um but ken's been like on my side the whole time uh great personality works super hard extremely loyal we got christian Mm -hmm. who's been there for a couple years you know he was working at autozone and just felt like he wasn't getting his right break I was like, hey, man, you come work for CSF, you know, we'll uh, we'll teach you how to grow into being someone who can add value to a business. I think that's really important, right? Like employees got to understand, do you want to be somebody who adds value or do you just want to be a cost? Yeah. You know, a guy who just comes in and you just need him to be a function. Well, let's and dive you, into yeah. that, man. Okay. There's maybe some good, uh, some good advice that you could give okay. some people listening right now. So I know there's a lot of people listening and... Um, Maybe they're not super happy at their job or okay. they're doing something that, that they they don't see themselves having a future there. What do you think can take them to the next level or what should they be doing at that time that they're, that they're at that job right now in their certain position? If you're not happy with your job, you got to figure out how to get out. The people who go to work every day and they're like pissed off about their job and then they come home and they're like either pissed off at the TV or pissed off telling their wife or their whoever, their mom, their dad, whoever they're living with, like do something about it. Don't be a victim of your own situation. Yeah. You know, like you got to put yourself in the position to succeed. But ultimately, like what is success? Success is happiness. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You could have a million dollars in the bank and hate your job. You're not going to be a very happy person. And that's when like you start to turn to like alcohol or other types of vices to kind of just like numb it. You know what I'm saying? Because you almost feel like you're trapped in your own success or no success. So you got to figure out how to get out of it. And I think the biggest thing people got to figure out is like, what type of skills do you have? What are you good at? Mm-hmm. And then how can you monetize that? You know, like if you're good at something, well, what kind of brands or what kind of like things do you relate to that maybe you can go solicit them for a job? That's a good idea. You know, Very good like, idea. okay, I'm into clothing. Okay, well, you're into clothing. You're like, like streetwear or whatever. But like, what about that? Can you add value to a company? 
I mean, are you a tailor? No. Okay. Are you good at marketing? Are you good at photography? Are you good at, you know, branding or like social media? Like what can you do to be able to go to these companies like, hey, I can do this for you. Or, you know, let me start at the bottom and let me grow into something because I think I can learn because I am passionate about this industry. So like I was saying a little earlier, it's like you don't want to be at cost. You want to be like add value. Yeah. You know, like we've hired some new guys and they're really good at stuff, but I'm like, okay, well, you could be doing this all day or I could be paying an outside person to do this. Excuse me. Or you can get on the phone and hustle. And if you can start selling and making this company money, then you added a lot of value because mm-hmm. now I need you here because you are bringing the dough in the door, not just a function or a cog in the wheel that, yeah. you know, is just another person that we got to pay because you're doing busy work. Yeah. You know, so that I think people need to understand is like you got to make yourself valuable to somebody and, um, you know, just just go out there and start networking, meeting people like like minded people and ask people for advice. But I, I think a lot of people got to put the ego aside. It's okay to ask for help. And it's really okay to ask for a chance. Mm-hmm. If you're a hard worker, it's okay to be like, yo, just give me a chance. Because I did that. There's so many brands that we private label for that I just, you know, emailed a guy, said, hey, man, give me a meeting. You know what I'm saying? And like, let me just come show you what I can do. And then when I got the meeting, I'd be like, just give me a chance. Yeah. You know, like right down the street, Vortex Superchargers. Yeah. We make all the intercoolers for them. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Hell so, yeah. fuck, I don't know if that violates an NDA or whatever, <laughs> but whatever. Dude, we're keeping it real here. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, like, I got in the door. I was like, listen, guys, I know what you're doing. I feel like I could do it a lot better, mm-hmm. and the service will be great, and the price will be good, and you're going to be really happy. And we've been doing business for a few years now, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's good, right? But I, I looked in the manager, like the general manager's eyes, and I'm like, please give me a chance. And he believed me, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, this guy's got to drive. He can do something, you know? So I think that's important. What gave you that confidence to be able to reach out to somebody like and to uh, put yourself in an uncomfortable position? You know, I, I think just like you, Frank, when you said you've been working since you were 16, I'm the same way, man. I'm a hustler, dude. We got that. You just either have it or you don't. Yeah. You know, like to have that entrepreneur gene, to be able to go out there and just like want to sell and just want to be good at something like it's not for everybody, man. Like that's, it's a hard, it's a hard road to tow, you know, because you got to be able to be able to take rejection, which a lot of people can't do, mm-hmm. especially I feel like in the society we live now, it's like so, so many like sissy asses out there. Like <laughs> it's like so coddled society that they can't handle rejection. You know, like they joke about how everybody gets a trophy, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But it's not like that, dude. There are winners and losers in life, you know? So, um, I've had a job since I was 15 years old, you know? Um, I've always worked and wanted to hustle when I was used to DJ, you know, it was all about that drive, you know, like I used to slang on the side, dude, it was just about hustling whatever we could, you know, and that's the way it was. So, um, I just, the confidence level is high. Um, sometimes it gets beaten down, but like you said, you got to shoot your shot. You know, if you're timid or you're scared about going for that opportunity and chance, you might miss the boat. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, I've realized this. There is, you know, and we're still young, you know, like we're in our early mid thirties. There's a lot of opportunities that only come around once and you have to take it. Yeah. That door will not be open again, you know, or you may never know how long it's going to take for that door to open again. So you just got to like grab for it, you know, and what's, I mean, like what's worse, not taking the opportunity or failing at that opportunity. I would rather say I tried and failed versus just not taking it at all. Is there anything that you can look back at that you missed? Um, 
Yeah, I think there's a couple deals. <sighs> like Whipple Superchargers, dude. I totally fucked up this deal, man. Like, I just had too much on my plate, and they were asking for like quotes on drawings. I'm like, yeah, I'll get it to you. I'll get it mm-hmm. to you. And it just like it took me too long, you know. Like I yeah. dragged ass, and now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, damn, dude, that's like a few mil in the bank right there. If I would have hit that, you know. But you live and you learn. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But there it is like has that boat always sailed because i still will see him at the shows i still will like maybe that opportunity will be there later in the line definitely for sure dude um so yeah i mean there's a lot of those right um you know smaller deals bigger deals like you know things happen you know and sometimes you've got too much on your plate and i think that's something like i've gotten to the point where i'm done like over promising or trying to extend myself too much to the point where like my quality of life is going to suffer you know like we're all blessed and fortunate that we're happy and we're doing well i like you and like now that i'm married like i gotta have a work-life balance you know i can't be the guy that is at you know work 18 hours a day coming home eating a quick bite and going to bed and doing the same thing like all the money in the world not gonna like keep me from spending time with my family you know especially as my parents get older you know you want to be around um you want to kind of just be able to enjoy the moments did you always have that mentality? No, dude. Like I was saying, like I, I think I was super stressed when I was trying to build this business, you know? Like I was like 20 hours in the lab, you know? Like doing the Canada thing, doing the performance thing, you know, coming home. And like, I remember my mom would call me. She's like, where are you at? And I'd be like, oh, I'm at the office. You know, like what's going on? Like kind of short with her. She's like, what time is it? I'm like, it's 9.30. Yeah. You know, she's like, well, you need to go home and get some rest. But like, it, it's, two, it's two ways to look at it, right? Like people don't understand because you are trying to build something, but they're also trying to tell you like relax and enjoy the ride but i don't know i mean and i still don't have the answer to that Mm -hmm. question because a lot of people look at me and they say yo you're super serious yeah you are a very serious person and i am a very serious person like i can like relax and let myself down and like with the homies and stuff like that i love to have a good time like i turn up more than everybody you know what i'm saying but when it comes to work i'm very serious because like it means a lot to me you know what i'm saying so I, I maybe have to work on that a little bit as a person. Like, how can I let my hair down a little bit or just let go? You know, like Adrian, my wife, she's always like, you are a very have to be in control type of person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can't be in control of everything. And maybe that's a reflection of me owning my business where like, I feel like I got to control every part of it. But now, you know, like we, we have some new guys on the team, like Nico who's doing a lot of our marketing and sales. Like I've started to kind of like let other people, people be creative. And I kind of learned this from Alex. Like he just hired someone to do all the social media. Yeah. saying So he's not doing it anymore. Yeah. And it's okay, dude, because like, yeah, social media is important, but like, who gives a fuck, you know, like what you do on the picture or what it says. The machine's moving. Yeah. The machine is moving because like now we're understanding the business side of it all. Right. Like I don't need to be looking at every single sentence and every single blog or exactly how this, you know, media display is going to look like you got to trust the people that you have to do a good job. As you add more people into your company, I think it's really important that you empower them to do well. Yeah, It's super important. I think empowerment allows people to grow as an individual, but that's how they're going to add value to your brand and your business. You know, So I think, I think that's super important. Good. I'm really, really glad that you touched on the, um, the business family balance because I think that a lot of people get that confused with entrepreneurship that you're working 24 hours a day and that's all you focus on is business and money and making it move. And 
granted that's how some people do it but like you said success for other people could mean money but for me success means happiness yeah and if i'm not happy on all spectrums of my life then i'm not i'm not successful so downstar could be the most successful company ever but if i go home and the people that are closest to me feel like i don't care about them i'm missing birthdays and things like that that's that's not a successful life and that's kind of like we're in the entrepreneur age right now. Everybody's entrepreneur. Yeah. There's TED Talks and everything. Everybody's telling you, go, go, go. You know, if I got to miss a birthday, if I got to miss a we uh, wedding, fuck it. I don't care. It's like, yeah, but w what is what is your idea of happiness and that's what, or, or success? And I think that's what everybody has to ask themselves. Like, is it not being able to see your parents on their on their last years? Is that happiness to you? but you made an extra few million dollars. Like, I, th I think people get that really, uh, really mixed up that um, happiness or success is just equated with money. Yeah. Okay, everybody, we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute. Yo, what's up, fool? Make sure you check out Downstar for all of your dress-up needs. Get it poppin' over here. We have all the kits for the K-Series, the B-Series, the transmission, the mounts, the engine, the Toro, baby. We have the hardware for the seats, for the stereo. We got it for the speakers. We got it for the lug nuts. We got it for the air valves. We got it for everything, dog. So you make sure you hit us up at downstarring.com or you call us up, fool. You can even text us, lame, 818-937-3472. Just shoot us a text and tell us what's up, dog. I need some fucking in this bitch hit us up downstarring.com hey and if you got an instagram slide in our fucking dm at downstar wait hit up the homie frank underscore downstar he's the one that takes care of all the dms hit that level up and shoot him a message and he'll get you all taken care of real nicely yeah, I, I think, like you said, like I have friends who do jobs right now. They make a lot of money, and I they hate their jobs. And they probably make more money than I do, but I love what I do, and my life is great. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want their life. Yeah. Just because I got more money than I do, I'd rather have my life. Yeah. You know, and I think that I mean, everybody's different. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone, and I think now that we live in such a materialistic society that people are just on the chase. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they're just chasing it. You know what I'm saying? They're chasing that Instagram photo of a better lifestyle than the next person. They're chasing the new shoes or they're chasing this or that. It's all materialism that everyone's all about, you know? But. If you take a step back, like that's such short gratification, you know, it's like, it's like a high, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I bought this. Okay, cool. I have it now. I posted it. Okay. Well, what's next? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And everyone's just like, it's like one person after another. And it's like that Kardashian way of that they've been trapped in and this is what society has created. I think for me, it's like, take a step back and be like, okay, what really makes Ravi tick? Mm -hmm. You know, like what makes me happy? You know, it's, it's the comfortable lifestyle that I've, you know, really worked hard to put myself in, but like my family and my wife and all that stuff. And that's, what's important to me. You know what I'm saying? I'll leave some money on the table to have more happiness in my life. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? And I think, you know, I think everyone should be like that way, but I'm not everybody, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's the key to success, and I think that's the key to happiness. I think if you're happy with what you do, you're you got to be content, you know? You still want the drive, but it's got to be this really nice, harmonious balance, right? Like 
you want to have the drive to succeed and keep pushing, but you got to be content with what you have too. You know, so I think that's important. Yeah, it's all about the journey, man. Because the destination, it's not as exciting once you get there. You know, I've there's been material things that I've wanted for my entire life, and as soon as I get them, yeah, you get that high for a little while, but after a while, it just becomes normal. Whether it's a car or whatever you want to call it, you know. And since I, I I do have that big goal of having my dream car, but. I know once I get that car, it's not my life isn't going to change. I'm not no. going to be a totally different person. It's just to me, what that represents is is a trophy to myself that this is what I've been able to get to. I got to this level that I never thought I would be able to get to. Now let's keep on moving. Let's keep going. And yeah, you're definitely right, dude. Is people people are so caught up in in material things and thinking that that's going to bring them happiness. And I post this every once in a while, dude. That no matter what you think or not, money isn't happiness or money. Having the the most money that you that you ever wanted that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be happy. And a lot of people always combat me on it and say say whatever they think in their in their mind, but. Once you get to the point where you have enough money to pay for all your bills, to live the lifestyle that you want, to buy whatever things that you want, that doesn't mean that you're going to be happy. And I, I think that that's one thing that I've I've come to realization with within these last few years that you know I have everything that I've ever wanted, but some days I'm still not happy. Mm -hmm. And what what i found out about myself is what what makes me happy more than money is creating mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of the way that i'm going towards and i don't think a lot of people get to find that out about themselves because they're too busy in the rat race trying to get to this this spot in their life where they might not even ever reach that because that that's like it's it's a mirage you know yeah and like it's you're absolutely right, but it's it's almost like the rat race you just talked about, right? Like, okay, you get to that finish line, you got what you want, but then you want more. You know, like now it's like a point in my life, it's like, okay, I have a house. Do I want a bigger house? And then, well, my neighbor's got a bigger house, you know, and, you know, those girls are hit, those guys hang out. Like, do I need a bigger one like them? You know, and it's just like, yeah. well, what is enough? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and you could you could live your whole life that way and really, really never feel like you ever had enough you know so that's why i kind of like step back I and mean, it's like we don't need any more shit in the house you know what i'm saying <laughs> we don't need to, like just just enjoy what we have be happy with what you got and you know that's that's okay you yeah. know like and i, I think there's studies and i like i'm more i'm more about like the experiences you know like going to tokyo with you guys yeah. and like ryan and like we're all hanging out and like that was awesome Hell you know yeah, what i'm dude, saying like i'll give time. i don't need an, another fucking t-shirt or pair of jeans or shoes like i'd rather spend my money doing something like that you know so i think experiences um mean a lot more to me now as we grow up uh, i think you know being able to go places i mean the world is a big place you know, and being able to experience cultures and different types of people and different types of food and do different things in these places, like that is kind of what makes me happy, you know, and be able to share those experiences with people you care about, that I think is the most important. Oh yeah, 100%, man. That's dope, dude. And I'm happy for you, bro. You're in a really good spot, I could tell. And um, you have the passion and, and that's awesome, dude. Thank you. So. I want to touch a little on what you mentioned earlier about your uh, your DJ career. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, I'm DJ Deluxe Daddy, 
been doing it since I was uh, doing it since I was like 13, 14 years old. Um, actually, I've been doing it since I was 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, I used to play the drums. You know, five piece traps that I had the pearl set, and nice. I was like in the school band. You know, so um, I was a percussionist, and from there I got kind of into music, and you know that was like the whole Napster generation. You yeah. know, like waiting all night to download like two songs Cause like, yeah kazaa exactly dude like i was like the last family on the block to have dsl so it was like aol dial up and it was like oh man i got two songs coming tomorrow you know it's like five kilobytes per second dude <laughs> fuck dude my parents didn't understand what like fast internet was all about or why i needed it. I'm like mom dad come on we need to get dsl you know so get off the phone <laughs> yeah exactly you know so it's like we're paying more for two phone lines rather than just getting the dsl like it didn't make any sense but that's what we had um so yeah like i got into music and um yeah i just like i started looking at like turntablism and like what the guys were doing with the techniques and like you know like dj competitions Mm -hmm. and i just started really liking that side of uh you know pop culture Mm -hmm. um and you know obviously this was when like mtv was big and bet was big and you would see like the freestyle fridays and like all that type of stuff like that i love that right because like i grew up in the inland empire um but I moved to Newport Beach when I was 13 years old. So there was a little bit of a disconnect between like this white affluent society. I didn't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't a part of that surfer bro beach culture because I grew up in like the IE. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Ranch Cucamonga, uh-huh. like at Awanda area. Like that's what I knew. And like the people I used to hang out with were a little bit more, you know, inner city-ish or just kind of like that so um i just kind of gravitated towards djing and i remember i went up to my parents i was like mom dad like we buy me a set of turntables where they're like well you know maybe for your birthday or christmas or something like well how much is it i'm like well what i really want to get is like twenty five (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars and they just looked at me it's like you're fucking retarded like we're not going to get you twenty five hundred dollars of dj gear this is going to be some other nonsense that you use for like six weeks and you throw it in the garage right like like my sister's clarinet or some shit right so um so i was like all right fine you don't want to buy it for me that's cool so i that's when i got the first job and i was working at the mall at fashion island i was working at auntie Anne's pretzels oh sick yeah dude i was that was my first job ever dude like i was literally the guy out there like hey do you want a sample you know like come on in okay i got a funny story for you so i was 15 and there was like work restrictions on what 15 year olds can do because technically had to be a lot of 16 but they would give you a job if your parents would sign off and do all this shit so i'd be in the back making the lemonade Mm -hmm. and they had regular lemonade and they had strawberry lemonade and i remember once the guy like the manager at the time showed me how to make he's like okay you got it i'm like yeah yeah for sure some sugar the syrup water you know (laughs) ice swirl it all up we got it right but somewhere along the lines I misread the directions and I was putting way too much sugar in the lemonade. <laughs> like four times, dude. And we're talking about like out of like that Starbucks cup, like yeah. four of those in every one of the batches, dude. Just like massive amounts of sugar. And it was like my summer job. And like there's a lot of people who work at Fashion Island who are there for work and they come get a snack and shit like that. But dude, my lemonade was crack, bro. Like literally people would show up all day just like, yo, let me get one more of those lemonades. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, the whole time, I thought I was just making it by the recipe, right? So I'd be like, okay, okay, here you go, $3. You want two? Okay, you know, like just making lemonade. And then once I remember, like the owner of the franchise came in, and I'm in the back, just like throwing sugar in. And he goes, 
what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I'm making my lemonade. <laughs> He's like, dude, that's way too much sugar. He's like, dude, you're making like 10 times more sugar than you're supposed to. I'm like, oh, my bad. So there went me for making the lemonade that summer. But yeah, people love that shit, dude. Strawberry lemonade was so fire, dude. You get your like fucking almond pretzel with the crunchy, peanut butter sauce, dude. Fucking lemonade. Just like kill yourself, you know? <laughs> Fat kid, fat kid snack. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> that summer I took all that money I made, which was like three thousand dollars, because I was like way below minimum wage with yeah. this job, right? And I went and bought a set of Pioneer CDJ 1000s, the first ones they ever came out with. So these were like the first digital turntables from Pioneer, which were like the dopest ones you could buy. Um, got Is my, that like the little looking CD kind of thing? Yeah, but these are the it? ones like Tiesto uses, okay. like the high-end ones. And they okay. were like 1500 bucks a pop. And then I had like this Newmark three-channel mixer that, you know, and I would just start rocking like high school parties. Started doing like Indian weddings with Sick. one of my cousins. My cousin Vernon and I were doing it together. Um, and then we were just like go down to like little bodegas and like Cerritos where he lived. And we would like ask the owner and like liquor stores like, yo, can we set up a shop outside of your shop and like sell mixtapes? Mm-hmm. And we'll like promote you on the mic and get people to come in your shop. And like all these guys saw us. We were like 13, 14, 15 years old. They're like, fine, kids, do whatever you want. You know, yeah. and, like we'd go in there and buy sodas. Cause we'd be there all day. But like we started selling like 30 mixtapes a weekend you know like yeah. 10 bucks each and i'm like oh shit 300 bucks all right you take 150 i take 150 and oh, we'd be like and like all week we'd be like sitting at home like burning cds uh-huh. of our mixtape yeah and then we were like cutting out the little insert because you would buy like the plastic cases from best buy and then you would burn yeah. the cd and then you'd like put the little image on the cd and like that was like our hobby you know and then it would be yeah. like the weekend would come around and be like all right dude well like why don't we get a booth at a festival you know like a cultural festival or whatever like barbecue festival and like let's set up our dj stuff in our little tent and then we'll sell cds and then i started being like okay shit we sold 100 cds we sold 50 cds you know so we were selling our mixtapes you know i was doing all the school dances and then i went to university arizona in tucson and then that's when it really popped off because like i joined a fraternity i started doing all the fraternity parties sorority parties you know that stuff you see like those crazy like playboy tempe like crazy arizona college pool parties Mm -hmm. that was me like we started doing like the three thousand person pool parties i remember like okay so like jordan hill for the lakers Mm -hmm. he went to university university arizona like luke walton or chase budinger or like even uh rob gronkowski like these are all u of a types yeah they'd be like doing the wet t-shirt contest in the middle like the party began all hype i'd be in the back djing so That was awesome, dude. And I really enjoyed it. I would be DJing the bars. I remember like Halloween parties would be like a couple thousand people. I would DJ like at a sushi restaurant, you know, every Sunday night, like a little bit more of a lounge thing. But that was like my flow when I was in college because like I didn't want to get a regular job. Yeah. And I've always liked the party. You know what I'm saying? It's like it was like a double. Like I didn't spend any money to party, but I was at the party making money. Hell yeah. Yeah. So like my bank account was increasing like crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I was like pretty young because i was 18 but being able to go into bars and dj with all my homies who were older so yeah. yeah that's how i got into djing and then even after that um when i moved back to newport beach after college you know i was living down on the newport beach peninsula where all like the bars and restaurants were and i started djing at this pl- place called newport beach brewing company mm-hmm. every friday night the whole summer dude and it was awesome dude like this was like some sleepy ass bar and then all of a sudden my, my friends would come in they'd be like dude the fucking line's out the door bro like around the block and we just owned it 
you know like it was great so um yeah and i still dj every once in a while one of my buddies kg um his dj name's k jesus Jesus, shout out to K Jesus. <laughs> shout out to K Jesus. But like, you know, him and I enjoy it and uh it's an outlet for us to kind of like, you know, still spin the wheels, be creative, you know, yeah. still kind of hype the party. Um Hell yeah. It, it's tough because like DJing is like almost like the car industry, right? Like it got to the point because of like the internet and how it became easy. Yeah. You didn't have to have turntables and buy records and invest capital into your equipment. It was like, yo, you could buy a shitty DJ controller for like a hundred bucks on Amazon, plug it into a computer, get some shitty speakers, and now you're a DJ. Yeah. And this is who I had to compete with mm -hmm. because like we go to bars and be like, yo, let us DJ. Well, okay. Well, they called me and they'd be like, yo, we need a DJ tonight. I'm like, okay, cool, dude. It's 800 bucks. Mm -hmm. 800 bucks, dude. The kid down the street wants to do it for 200. That kid said he'd come in here and do it for free. You know oh, what I'm saying? But it's shit. like, yo, dude, you get what you pay for, bro. Yeah. You want to you want a free DJ or you want a guy who's professional. And I don't think people understand there's a huge difference when yeah. it comes to music. You know, there's a reason why guys like Tiesto and Dead Mouse are getting paid millions of dollars to do what they do. Mm -hmm. And you know, Joe Blow from Vegas is not getting that type of coin. So, um, we still do it every once in a while. It's not something I can dedicate like all my time to because obviously we're busy people with our own companies, yeah. but the problem is like i would love a chance to dj on the regular but on the regular means a commitment mm -hmm. to be like yo okay you're our dj but you got to be here every friday night mm -hmm. i just can't do that you know too many work trips too much stuff going on family now and all that stuff it just it just can't happen so we pick our spots whenever we get a chance you know we used to do all the crazy fourth of july parties and you know newport so yeah that's that's a dj story that's dope man that's super tight so what kind of music would you play well, I think I evolved with the scene and like what with our culture and just growing up. I mean, obviously, when I was growing up uh, in high school, it was very like 90s, 2000 hip hop. You know, that's what we listened to. We yeah. listened to the Biggie and the Pac and the Outkast and like all that stuff. And then it started to go in more into like EDM. Yeah. EDM got really big. And then it was like more like reggae dub. And then and now and then, and then EDM got really big in like early 2000s with like the Avicis and the Tiestos but now I think it's circling more back into like uh you know rap music is pretty good you know like the guys like Migos and you know a lot of those dudes um but now I think you're starting to get more into like um other niches of electronic music you know like deep house or tribal house or like beach house or some of those things so it's just a mixed bag you know like my spotify is always playing weird shit really you know? yeah i mean like adrian she loves country music yeah. i had a friends who love country music so like i'm into country too mm -hmm. you know so but i see i think you see that with like cross culture of all things like old town road yeah is a country music star with a rapper, you know? And I think the way that, you know, technology works now, there's so much cross-collaboration with all different types of industries and within the same industry that, you know, what type of music it is has really become a blurred question because new music styles are being created every day. Yeah. You know, I remember walking into a festival and seeing dubstep for the first time. It was Rusko. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, this is fucking insane. You know what I'm saying? And it just blew my mind because I never heard anything like that before. So, you know, that was just a few years ago. So, yeah, I think music just keeps evolving. And I try to keep my ear to the ground in terms of what's hot because you can't just like jump on the tables and not know what's good. Mm -hmm. You know, so you always have to know like 
it takes me a few hours before I DJ just to get my shit together. Really? Yeah, because I don't do it all the time. Yeah. If I did it all the time, I would know what's hot because I'm listening to music every day. But if I'm like just listening to my shit that I like all the time, it's like the same 20 songs that I keep <laughs> listening to, yeah. you know, when it comes time to rock in a party, I don't know like what the new Katy Perry jam is or what Beyonce's got out. And like, but that's what the chicks want to hear, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Or that's the stuff that's going to move the needle at the party. So I literally got to sit down or like the night before, two days before and like listen to like four or five hours of music. And it's like critical listening when you're a DJ. It's not just like, oh, this is a good song. It's like, okay. Do people want to dance to this beat? I yeah. know that I know that answer within five seconds. Mm -hmm. Like I can listen to a song within five seconds and be like, pass, or this is what I can play in a club. But then I got to listen to the song and decide like, hey, where can I mix this into? Like what part of the song are there no words? You know, write that time down or put like a time marker on the computer software. Oh, shit. So that I know that I, because you never want to mix words on top of words. Yeah. It's terrible, right? Mm -hmm. It just sounds like a bunch of noise. So it's like, okay, well, I can bring the beat in here you know mix i got 45 seconds to do it so you just have to listen to every song like one time to say okay is it good put them all in a folder or something like that and then go back and listen to them a little bit more intently and be like okay well like here's the drop here's the break here are the vocals this is how we're going to put these mixes together and then figure out how fast they go and then be like all right well these songs go with this one these are in the same key you know like this shit's Damn. got the same vibe like and you start making the list and you're like okay well this is my, my general playlist of what i'm gonna do yeah you know like i'm gonna play for an hour i'm gonna play for two hours but like it's gonna go like this and like you know it's like the same way we were talking about it earlier it's like enjoy the ride it's yeah. all about the journey you know what i'm saying like when someone comes to listen to deluxe daddy at the club it's not going to be the same cookie cutter shit you heard on kiss fm you're going to come into my like, wherever i'm playing bar restaurant you know club and you're going to leave me like yo dude that dj threw it down i heard a bunch of shit i never heard before it was either the same song you knew but a remix you never heard because yeah. i found it or i made it or you're just gonna be like, dude, I never heard two songs mixed that way, or the way he was scratching, or the way he was Same. hyping the crowd. So I really put my all in when I DJ, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't get to do it a lot. So when I do get those opportunities, I really like enjoy the moment and I take advantage of it. Do you have any uh, any events coming up anytime soon? Um, nothing on the nothing on the cards. But now that I'm not playing a wedding, I got all this free time. So, dude, that would be <laughs> maybe, so fucking rad, maybe I get bro. back into it, dude. Yeah. Hell so yeah, dude. Yeah, I think something. I mean, it's at least a couple times a year. So I think something in the next like you know month or two, we'll figure something out. Dude, keep in touch with me, man. I hundred percent. I appreciate out, that, bro. dude. Hell yeah, dude. I love music, dude. I've always said that if it was between having to pick, like dead ass picking music or cars, that would be probably one of the hardest choices I would have to ever make, dude. Yeah, those. Too? oh yeah what do you listen to these days um that's a fucking hard question to ask let me let me look let me look, <laughs> look at my spotify real quick man it's because i i always try to just like keep it keep it different mm -hmm. a lot of different stuff all the time Let, let's see what's in my so in my recent on spotify it i go through kind of waves yeah you know i'll, I'll find somebody and then ooh, that's kind of yeah. sounds o like that opens the door to exactly. like a bunch of new music you never so, heard of so the so it would be coheed and cambria okay deftones uh kendrick nipsey fabulous okay. outcast and then um that's all i have right there but i'm really have you ever heard of little peep before yes i'm super into little peep dude rest in peace man i, yeah. I, I wish i would have seen him when when he was still around but that's like my perfect type of music okay. because that's a mixture of when i was in the the emo punk rock hardcore okay. kind of phase and then trap music hip-hop yep. rap kind of like 
just creating mm-hmm. you know and and i i when i first heard little peep and i first heard that sound i was like wow i've never heard anything yeah like this before you uh you listen to any nav um i've heard a little bit okay or never really dove okay into him much. yeah and like like that's the type of stuff it's like and especially because i lived in toronto i was like kind of plugged into that music yeah. scene like everyone's like oh it's just drake it's just the weekend right but then you start diving into some of the guys like underneath them and you're like dude this stuff is pretty good right so i've been enjoying the nav uh you know i've been enjoying some of the reggae dub stuff you know like rufus de soul mm-hmm. and some of those brands so it's it, what's nice about the internet now especially like things like spotify like you have so much access to so many different different types of music it's not like i gotta go to the best buy buy the cd put it in my cd player i got six choices because i got a six cd changer you know like everything is accessible so quickly at your fingertips and like you said you listen to one thing and it suggests you another hundred different people you never heard of to listen to and you're like wow i do like this type of music you know so that's good And two, even with podcasting since i'm in a podcast i listen to the joe budden podcast okay and have you ever heard that one? yeah yeah, he's good dude that's that podcast is so awesome and they're that's their focus is Mm -hmm. just music so they as much as we do a deep dive into the car culture yeah they do a deep dive into the music culture so i get a lot of my information from them and at the end of it they have a segment called sleepers which is like songs that aren't really popular but it's stuff that they dig and i always enjoy that because it, it gives me a different idea of somebody that i probably would have never heard of for sure you know and and just being in in having my ear to the streets in that way i have heard artists that are barely starting to pop off right now but i've mm-hmm. i heard them from years ago yeah. just because it's just a grind just like yeah. anything else man oh, these dudes have to start off from these small clubs yeah. and then go from there and and build up and then sooner or later then they get then they're on the top the the top of the charts but it, it's a grind just to get there you know i i feel like music is the one industry that the cream doesn't rise to the top mm-hmm. in the oh, sense yes, that like 100%. you could be the most talented musician and never make it. Yeah. I don't think there's any other industry like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I used to date a singer and she was so talented and like really, really like amazing, like blew my mind. And I was a DJ, like, right. Or I am a DJ. Like I can tell if you have it, if you're not, Yeah, you know, and I, I, I listened to her music and I was like, yo, this chick's got it, but she just never get that break. And it's super demoralizing, right? It's super dejecting. And it's like, it's just, but that's just the nature of the game, you know? Like, there's so many politics. It's who you know. Do you have a good agent? You know, would you get in the door? What happens after that? Um, You know, so shout out to all the musicians out there because it is a grind, man. And like, it's one of those things like, you know, if you, if you build a dope car, people are going to know you built a dope car. You know, it goes viral. Yeah. You know, like, there's nothing that would just, like, not move. You know, if you're the best ball player, you got to make it to the NBA. Yeah. You know, like, that's just the way it works. You will get a chance. There will be someone who sees you. But with music, you you may never get your break. Yeah. And that, I think, is uh, it's, it's a daunting thing, dude. And, like, and that's, that's the same thing with anybody who's very creative. You know, if you're an artist, you're a painter, you're somebody, like... It's just one of those things like you got to almost be discovered, right? Yeah. Where everything else has kind of got like a winner and a loser, you know, and the cream does rise to the top. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends on what you want as well. I, I think that there's a lot of um, the, a lot of quote unquote like a SoundCloud rapper or something yeah. like that, that they have their cult following. Yeah. Um, for somebody like that, if, if they're trying to figure out how to get to the next level, how, how I would recommend looking at it would be everybody that is listening to your music, everybody that's a fan of your music. That is that's that's your team. That's part of your team. You have to look at them as team members because yeah. these are the ones that are going to be 
telling your friend their friends you gotta listen about to this. New, you yeah, gotta yeah. check this yeah, you gotta yeah, check 100%. that out you know and i think too uh that a lot of especially rappers they have that mentality where they're just fucking cool guys and they don't mm-hmm. want to talk to nobody or or maybe they're socially awkward or something yeah. like that and it's not only with music it's just with anything dude you you have to be able to put yourself out there and you have to be relatable and you have to be somebody that somebody wants to support you know what i've I've supported people before and then i i get the opportunity to meet them and i'm just like you know what fuck this dude yeah for sure that's happened so many times with me but if that person if that interaction that i had with that person would have went a different way if they would have taken you know maybe an extra minute to just say what's up or something like that yeah i would have been a fan for life yeah and i use that same mentality with downstar when i go to shows and i see somebody that has our stuff on it you know i'll look who the owner is you know i'll tell them to their eyes like yo bro thank you so much for your support i really appreciate it because i know for one it's that i really do appreciate it i wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff if it wasn't for any anybody out there not the guys that we sponsor or the dudes on the magazines it's these guys who keep us cooking that nobody even knows about yeah so i want to show them as much respect as i can but i know after that interaction they're going to tell all their friends like anytime hardware or anything that we sell would come up or even now the the skateboarding stuff or the podcast or whatever like oh this is where you need to go to because of that interaction and i think that people need to put a little more more thought into the interactions that they have with people because everybody's getting sick of that shit dude yeah like, you know the the way the society is right now like celebrity and all that and like you say, with the the cream ri- doesn't rise to the top. Like a lot of these people that are at the top of the game in in music or rap or whatever. Like I I don't think that they have as much talent as the guys you, like the guys you don't really know about. Yeah, yeah, and then it's like they just keep pumping the fucking songs. And you're like, oh, this is catchy because like they just keep pump like you're, the selection you get to choose from is so small, right? Like you turn on the radio, it's the same thirty songs over and over again. Like of course one of them is good. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. like that's all we get to choose from, right? So, but I think it's happening in the car stuff, dude. To circle back on it, it's like, I don't, let me ask you a question, Frank. Yeah. Like you, you've been in the scene. You have a persona that people understand because you are the face of your company. Like, what do you think about these like car YouTubers? Um, I wouldn't only just just put them in in YouTubers. I would just say like or the like car Instagram car Instagram guys, the person the personality kind of guys, guys. Yeah, you know? um, me being as 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 authentic as I can be. Um, I can spot uh, inauthenticity, whatever that word yeah. is. Inauthentic. Inauthentic um, yeah. personalities really easy. And when I see that, that makes me feel the same way as like a Old Town Road does. Yeah. I understand why that song works. And I understand why that's at the top of the charts. And I understand everything behind it. And most of it is marketing and money in the right direction. Yeah. Right? The same thing with these internet personalities. I understand why it works and I understand why they have their popularity and and I get Mm -hmm. it right but that doesn't mean I have to respect it yeah that doesn't mean that I have to even compare myself to them and sometimes when I do get compared to somebody like that like they say oh man I I look up to you uh, you and this person yeah they they, they lump you in the boat like we're not the same yeah I, I don't know how you don't understand that and maybe it's just because you're not in the community as deep as it is that that i am but we're not the same this this is a character yeah this is an actor and this is the this is this is like 
you're in love with somebody who doesn't exist. Yeah. That person does not exist. And I've met that person and I know their real personality. And it's a shame that you, you've painted something in your head that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And that's not me being a hater. That's just me being realistic. You know, I've, I've had dinner with some of these personalities and they will not even look up or join the conversation because they're too busy being on their phone. Yeah. Because we just left a car show, their Instagram's blowing up and they understand how it works. If you don't capitalize on that, that, um, popularity that you're getting that, that, that surge that your account's getting at that time, then you're going to miss that opportunity. Yeah. But you're missing a real life opportunity. You're missing a real life experience, dude. And it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, I've had friends, like people that I really consider friends, and we've had dinner with these type of people. And I feel embarrassed. Like, damn, dude, we could have just, we should have just did something else. Yeah. Because we're not even being able to talk to these dudes. These dudes. Yeah, it's a waste of your time. It's totally a waste of time. Honestly, man, this is like, I'm telling people, and like people, like, I'm a little contrarian. Like, I I read weird shit on the internet, and they're like, oh, you're conspiracy theorists? Like, yo, man, we are in the fucking matrix. Yeah, 100%. Your cell phone is the matrix, bro. Mm -hmm. And it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And you get in those rabbit holes. You've gone from one Instagram page to the next Instagram page, and you're just like following these people, and you're like living vicariously through what these people are doing on phones and their life through a phone it's like this is the matrix dude and if you don't understand that then you're ignorant yeah you know like you have blinders on because that's what's happening right now you know everything is fake Mm -hmm. you know every like where is the truth growing up you know we didn't have cell phones yeah it was very like hey matter of fact it's black or white Mm -hmm. it's wrong or right you know now it's 50,000 shades of black, white, gray all the way through. It's like, where is the truth? You yeah. know, and you have to almost search for it and you have to like pull it out. And I think with the, the YouTuber guys, you know, especially just like the guys I see the most, which are in the car scene, because we're on the Instagram, we're following these guys, understanding like what the dynamic of the landscape is. It's like, are you into cars? Are you kind of into cars? Do you know anything about cars? Is it just like getting sponsorships or trying to sell t shirts? Like, yeah. what are you all about? You know, like when you come by my booth at SEMA, what are you yeah who are you yeah. i don't know you know because and it's funny because we talk to other guys and they're like oh well dude should i sponsor this guy he's got like five hundred thousand followers or he's got a huge youtube page or this i'm like i'm like but who's following him yeah are these like younger generation 13 and 15 year olds who are just like looking at these people as like online online celebrities because that's the culture yeah. you know like it used to be People cared about like sports ball players and like musicians and stuff like that. But the younger generation isn't watching TV. They're watching YouTubers all day. Mm-hmm. Is that YouTuber who's got all these followers and talks about cars every once in a while? Is anybody buying fucking parts? Yeah. No, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be underst- you have to understand like what moves the needle for people like myself or you who make hard parts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Me sponsoring a guy with a bunch of like YouTuber fanboys is not going to help me sell any more parts. And I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't really want to be a part of it. I have had to do a couple of those cuz I was like whatever, like, you know, you got to like kind of throw the bag out sometimes, but I just want to work with guys who are like as professional as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that matters the most. Yeah, I think it might be our generation too because we like you're saying we never experienced that, but these guys come home from 
whether it's school, high school, or you know, junior college, or from their job, and their lineup is to watch these guys on YouTube. Yeah, uh, they watch these guys on social media, and they see that these people are being followed so much. Mm-hmm. So they want to be part of it, and yeah. in their brain, it equates to this person is the most knowledgeable, the biggest idea. Yeah. This this is this is the man. Yeah, they're right? lo- they're looking up to them as like an idol. Exactly, right? But let's take it back to Tokyo Auto Salon, right? How many of those people were at Auto Salon? Zero. Very, very little. Yeah. Right? A few, maybe a handful a f- at a most. Ha- a handful. Yeah. Right? That's that's how I calculate it. Look, if you're not going to take your business this seriously, if you don't take if you're not at all the biggest events, yeah. if you're not at the fucking Met Gala, like how popping are you? Yeah. How popping are you really? Yeah. You know what I mean? I know who's there. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I know who's part of the culture. I yeah. know who the movers and shakers are, and I know when when I I meet this dude and this guy says like, oh yeah, I met this guy or whatever, and they they make it seem like they have a relationship, but I like really have a relationship yeah. with this person. That's a totally different thing, you know, and and that's like that's like when you when you go from the clout to reality, yeah, of things, and yeah, I I think that um, this podcast helps out a lot too because I always say that too, you know, there's people that could see us right now and be like, who's this guy? He's fucking fake or whatever. He just sells bolts or. Like, dude, I can't bullshit this for two, three hours twice a oh, week. Yeah, hundred percent for eighty-seven episodes. Dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. This is who I am. Yeah, hundred percent in the most genuine yeah. point. So either you like it or you don't. And yeah. I can, I can definitely get those five hundred thousand million followers or whatever, but I wouldn't be myself. Yeah, I wouldn't be the most genuine self that I am. So. It's it's a give and a take, you know. The, these guys, yeah, they do have the following and they they get the love from everybody. And dude, that takes a lot of work. Well, let to me get to that point. Let me ask you a question, Frank, because like this is something as a business owner, it's like we're trying to understand like the like how the brain ticks for younger buyers. Mm-hmm. How many of your customers are like twenty five and younger? Are they there or are they mostly that 25 to 40 guy or 25 to 45 year old guy? Because I'm trying to figure out who the fuck's going to buy my parts 10 years from now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Am I, but am I going to be doing like classic what we would perceive now to be hot rod stuff? Like, am I just yeah. like, is our generation just going to be older people doing it or are there young people? I mean, I know there's young people who like cars because yeah. we see them at shows and they're there, but like. Do they love cars the way we love cars? Or do they like the idea of the car, the uh, picture, I, the status, the likes? You it's know? more like, lean towards the idea. Yeah, like I don't think they get they're like down and get like their hands dirty, nitty gritty, you know, and like want to dive into like hard parts and stuff. Some of the biggest shows that we go to, we don't really do well at them because these shows are big because they have a lot of the influencers. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of people that are coming to vlog about it. They have yeah. a lot of people that are gonna take pictures and post yeah. them online but or that- people just want to come and get like a poster signed by a vlogger and they literally will wait and we i remember this like a week fast last year like guys were literally waiting out the door to get you know a poster sign and then they would get the poster signed by this youtuber and then they bounce yeah but then you take it to ibok something yeah. that that is big in our culture but yeah. on the grand scheme of the import community it might not be mm-hmm. we'll fucking kill it yeah that's our demographic yeah it's a true you know? true enthusiast all right I feel that that our demographic 
my demographic, Downstar's demographic, are people that, for one, they're focused on details. Yeah. And for two, they respect the hustle and somebody making nothing to something. Yeah. Because a lot of these people have followed us for the last 10 years and seen all the things that we've been through, the growth that we've been through, and the way that we navigate through just life and being an entrepreneur and business owner. And there is a lot of younger people that hit me up and, and you know, they, they, they're they inspired by the things that we do. And those, that's, that's my team. That's what I want my team to look like. Mm-hmm. I want my team to be of respectable people who have a bigger idea of what they want their life to look like, that they're going towards it and they're getting it. And every day they're fucking, they're trying to kill it. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I'll post up like, yo, it's Sunday night. What'd you accomplish this weekend towards your goal? Did you just fucking kick it all weekend? Yeah. You know? And how is that my place as a business owner to be asking? Yeah. But that's, that's my team. Yeah. I want everybody to be held accountable. Yeah. Now say somebody else who has a bigger influence that I do, what what are they pushing off? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. coupon codes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> sponsorships. Yeah. Showing things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. How much do they interact and how much do they yeah. want their team yeah. to be better? And they could they very well could be. Yeah, you know? it's it's like almost like they're dictating a passive response, right? They're the ones promoting whatever they're doing where you're dictating an active response, right? You want to engage with the community that you've been able to cultivate, right? Like you're asking people like, what are you doing, right? There's a back and forth there where I think a lot of people, especially, you know, with this like perfect lifestyle that you see on Instagram or Facebook or social media or whatever, it's like they're putting out this persona and like everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very passive experience from the uh, from the viewer's point of view. It's like, wow, here I am again looking at all this perfect shit, perfect shit, perfect shit. And then here comes Frank from Downstar going, yo, let me hit you with a hard question. What are you doing to make your life better? You know, like what are yeah. you doing to like better yourself? So I think it's important and I think it's unique. And I think that makes people want to stop when they're scrolling and be like, okay, here's something different. You know, this is what these people are all about so that's good man and we we need those people we need those people to to separate Mm -hmm. you know you guys are over here go look over there yeah this is what we're doing we're the ones that are curating the culture and then this is an offspring of what we created you know what i mean and i don't want it to come off because i i have a lot of friends that do that that youtube and things like that and i don't want to come off that that i'm bashing those guys we just had mickey on here from throttle and dude mickey mickey's 42 dude and, he, and he's just a hustler mm-hmm. they him and his team started the business three years ago and they're using all the tools that they can to push ahead and there's nothing i can do to but respect him but when i have a three-hour conversation with mickey i find out who he is behind all of that stuff Mm -hmm. which makes me want to support him even more yeah now i've had that opposite interaction with so many people you know maybe it's somebody that we flowed some parts to and we end up meeting them and i'm just like really doug okay yeah that's cool like i'm not one of those kids yeah yeah. i'm not a 16 year old kid that you can just like like play me off yeah like shun me over yeah i've been in this game for 10 years already Mm -hmm. and I'll, i'll be around 10 years from now yeah this absolutely is, this, is, this isn't a fad kind of thing so show me respect mm-hmm. you know that that follower count and everything like dude that's beautiful I, I i applaud them that they can make that happen but at the end of the day 
no matter if it's in the music community, no matter if it's in cars, no matter if it's in whatever, real recognizes real. Yeah. And all the real people know who are the real people. Yeah. And it's just like when you built your car or anybody that you have involved with your business, you go towards the guys that you know are real dudes. Yeah. You know Sheepy. You know Ryan. You know who I am. You yeah. know what we represent. You know us to the core you you've met my, my wife we've yeah. spent time together we've been out of the country together yeah it's it's totally different than seeing somebody else and saying like okay well this dude has a bunch of followers so let's try to work something out yeah. Ho hopefully it'll work out that that might work out but that's not creating a relationship no. that's gonna last no for a long that's time. almost like that's not a relationship it's a transaction it's a transaction you know, it's like what can you do for me what can i do for you okay this is gonna work out right and because like you've been doing it for so long i mean it's funny like we for us to sit here and be like we've been doing this for 10 years it's like damn dude yeah it's 10 years Hell yeah. you know what i'm saying but i know we're gonna be sitting here one day when this is like a virtual 3d like futuristic like space 40 years from now and be like yo we've been doing this for 50 years you know so longevity yeah bro. longevity man um but uh where i was going with that it's i think now with the way everything is and how big it can be the circle gets tighter yeah you know what i'm saying the more you start to get to know people you know the people you can really trust and you know the people you want to like have on these projects or what's going on you know mm -hmm. like there's only going to be one guy that's ever going to wire my cars yeah you know there's only gonna be one guy who's ever going to fabricate my cars you know or one guy who's ever going to paint my cars or anyone who's going to bolt my cars like i know the guys i want to have on the team I'm not trying to trade players. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is the team. I think it's an all-star team. The sum of the work that goes into all these guys, it, it's a beautiful thing, right? Like, And we've seen it with so many cars, not just my car, right? Ryan's car or other cars that we've done, you know? Like, I think that, you know, the recipe is proven, but we just got to figure out how to keep on tweaking the recipe and, like, challenging ourselves to make a dish that's never been created before, something that no one's ever tasted, you yeah. know? Like, that's what I kind of think of is sometimes it's, like, we're making gourmet auto automobiles, you know? Yeah. It's like we're making tasty shit. Like, that's how I look at all these new projects that we're doing. And it's, like, even with this F-Body Camaro for SEMA, I'm, like, dude, we are definitely swinging to the fences on this one. It is totally out of our comfort zone, you know? ls stuff you know oh, yeah. f body i know like not many people know ryan and the domestics or me and domestics or alex and domestics but like if we can come out swinging and hit this nail on the head dude like people all over the world are gonna be like damn who are these guys hell yeah and they're gonna do the same thing they did when they saw ryan's car or my car like yo those are import guys these are what import guys were able to do with watch this. out yeah watch out you yeah. know because we know what we're doing you know i mean wiring a car is wiring a car yeah there's some nuances that are different or you know and like the cooling system is always going to be the same but yeah you might need a little bit more of this or that but yeah man i mean i'm, I'm excited for it dude i'm excited for sema this year i'm excited for all the you know see what we can get to tokyo you know i think that's big you know really opened my eyes last year because you know and let's talk about that real quick if you don't mind tokyo yeah. auto salon how many, how, one one yeah. sec before we get off of the the whole thing, you know, I don't I don't like to to really look down on people without giving them some kind of action. Yeah, that for they sure. Can do, right. So, guys, if you're listening, if you have a following, great. This is a good platform for you. What you might want to focus on is building a team. Every interaction that you have, make sure it's a it's it's a, a meaningful interaction authentic. for both authentic yeah. interaction. Anytime you do any brand deals with anybody, make sure that you do more than expected because when you get to that point where your career starts to plateau and kind of come down those are the people that you'll be able to lean on those relationships that you built and 
if you you're you're you start to go down and all of the connections that you made you were the one that made out out of all those and they didn't dude they're gonna they're gonna the same people that seen you on the way up are gonna see you on the way yeah. down with their back with their backs turned Definitely. They, they're not gonna help you on the way down 100 percent. yeah dude. but yeah let's jump back in the, the auto salon okay how many years you've been frank this is my uh i've been three times three so i just times. missed one year okay so you've been three times almost three in a okay, row okay so i've been this last time was my first time okay so you know and it was a very eye-opening experience for me one because um i was always like a fast and furious kid i fucking love that shit Hell dude. Yeah. anytime that thing's on tv the channel stops i'm watching it <laughs> yeah. i don't care which one it is right i love them all you know and I, I grew up like idolizing from just the cooling perspective, like ARC. Mm-hmm. ARC was like the tits, you know what I'm saying? I remember being in Singapore at my like dad's factory and going to like the HKS shop they had over there. And, you know, seeing the radiators and like the Gretty intercoolers and like ARC, like intercooler radiator packages and like all the titanium stuff. And then, you know, you, you grow into this business and then us as Americans start to develop our own capabilities you know and then i go to tokyo auto salon last year and i look around these boots like top secret and like hks and gretty and you look at all these parts and then you start to realize like half of these aren't even made in japan they're either made in china or taiwan yep Yep. and then you start to look at some of these cars put together and it almost like was like damn what we're doing in southern california and other places in the u.s is the best shit in the world 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah and that's why i'm so excited to try to get my evo out there because yeah. if that thing shows up at a booth and everyone sees that with that hood off it's like yo dude we don't get this shit anywhere mm-hmm. else in the world like this is w- what california is all about you know and like you know that's what it says on the back of the shirt it says socal all-stars because this is the team of guys from this local regional geographic area who've been able to put these cars on the map year after year yep you know so i was like almost amazed about the lack of quality that i saw at tokyo auto salon and the lack of innovation it's like the same shit over and over which i've been seeing on the internet yeah i just really just saw it in real life it's like another liberty walk kit another pandem kit you know yeah another bullshit turbo kit with like bullshit like welds and like just everything's bullshit right and but then, it has the name to but it. it's got this like legacy japanese name but it's funny because like i talked to like my friends like oscar jr at jackson racing you know and we were laughing because he's like yeah man like we all th- grew up idolizing these japanese brands but what does it mean anymore yeah like if i build a car right now i'm not like jockeying on like a lot of these japanese brands like i gotta have these parts on my car like it's cool yeah but i'd rather have something custom welded or dope or like something from an american brand that i think is a level of quality that might be a little bit higher but the brand is there yeah they're not living off the past they're like forging their own path you know and it's new and i kind of want to support that more then try not like jump on this like you know jdm train that's like slowing down and dying i don't know and then i kind of like so i saw that in tokyo in january but a couple months before that i saw it at the sn motor show in germany Mm -hmm. you know here's this like big guy with a huge following and he's got a frs with a rocket bunny kit with a 2jz swap in it and the way that car was put together with like the wiring and the fabrication, I was like, dude, if this thing showed up to the SEMA show, people would be fucking trolling the shit out of this car. Yeah. <laughs> like it looked like garbage, yeah. you know? And that's when it just really opened my eyes and it, it made me feel good. You know what I'm saying? Like I know who the best guys in the world are. Yeah. Like there's really good guys in every country. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sound like SoCal's elitist and we're the best in the world, but 
if people don't recognize a talent that's coming from this area or other parts of the US, I mean, the fabrication business in this world is absolutely the best. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. absolutely the best, man. It's it, it it used to really bother me a lot because there are some things that um like even with with my car that the heavy in the streets EJ, mm-hmm. you know you saw my vision of what i was doing with that and i got so much hate on it but i know for a hundred percent fact if that car was built in japan it would be it would be the the best thing ever built yeah to people from here mm-hmm. you know and it's just like i said you the giving somebody the flowers while they could still smell them dude there's a lot of even media outlets too that that will focus on not not only japan but places outside of the outside of where they're from and say this is the best thing ever built but it, for me dude i like to support people that i know yeah people that i know that are hustling yeah and even in japan was my guy Yasu? Yeah, out there. for sure. Yasu, he's a fucking hustler. One hundred percent. When I was in Japan, I didn't see any Honda that was better than anything that he built. Yeah, out there, and he's coming out with uh, wings mm-hmm. and, and bumpers and things like that. And that would be somebody that I would support rather than uh, another company. No disrespect to them, but some some company that that is kind of out of touch. You yeah, know? I think Yasu's figured it out, you know, the whole exceed thing and like, you know, but I think he's plugged in with like the American side mm-hmm. of things. So he's on that next level that the Japanese are still like, because, you know, like, let's face it, everybody knows it, dude. Like Japanese tuning culture is very elitist. Yeah. They still think they're the best. Mm-hmm. And granted, some of these top GTR shops or like some of these guys who are still making some really cool shit. Like, yeah, it's dope. But a lot of the other stuff is just kind of feels like very trinketish, mm-hmm. you know. Like we're walking around, I'm picking up cash cans, and I'm like, "This is fucking two hundred dollars. Like, what am I looking at right now?" You know. Yeah. So Yasu's plugged in. I think the guys at Auto Fashion are plugged in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they're doing it on both sides of the of the of the ocean. You know, like they understand what's good here and what can move there, and what's really good over there can move here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just think that people who understand the cross sections of cultures and how that can flow through the automotive community have a little bit of a step up. And I think because you and I and like others, like others of us get to travel and see all these different cultures and see the way like the tuning industry works in these different places, we have a better perspective and we're almost like authoritative in that sector, in that way. Right. Because we have been in this business for 10 years. We have built very cool cars. We get a lot of recognition, you know, the brands are well known and we can recognize what quality is. I can pick apart a car now to a level of details that most people can't because I've built that car. Mm -hmm. At a level of details that most people wouldn't even be able to recognize. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that way, like no one can look at me and be like, Robbie doesn't know what he's talking about with this car. I know damn well what I'm talking about this car. I might not be able to build every trinket on that engine. But I know exactly what I'm looking at, and I can tell you if it's a quality or not. You yeah. know, and I mean, I think I think I've deserved that. You know, I've kind of earned my stripes on that side. So now, when it comes to building like cool shit, it's like I know what I know. We all know what we're looking at. Yeah. No. And two that that's dope that if you get that recognition. But I still, me personally, I still feel like I don't get that recognition. I feel like on the uh, 
the the grand scheme of things dudes that have been around as long as we have they still look at me in a certain kind of way there's still some dudes that won't use our product just because they they have a certain idea about it you know and i don't think that that's fair man i've put in so much work so much equity and blood sweat and tears into this this business that so many other businesses haven't yeah because i've been at those shows i've been yeah. at those events i've been at those meets i've been there and they weren't there yeah but i was there because how, how was i able to be there i have a smaller budget do you think it's a honda thing do you I think that's just like the the like underlings of like the honda world where it's always been something where it's kind of like regional specific and everyone like east coast west coast or like the h day guys or the import lines guys it's always been just like you know they can't really like recognize everybody because sometimes you got to put somebody down they, the thinking is you got to put them down for us to shine a little harder i mean i don't know what it could be dude and and i feel like i get the respect from Cause I feel like I feel like you get the respect from other guys, like the guys who are like not giving respect are Honda guys, but everybody else knows what you're doing. You know yeah, what I'm saying? And, and I think uh, I think that I get the respect from fellow business owners, yeah, hundred uh, percent event people who throw events and things like that because they understand the hustle. But I still feel like Downstar is looked at as the company that just sells spikes. And you're talking about one product out of like 250 dude. yeah and it's everything that i've ever done i feel like it's like oh yeah but it's oh yeah but then somebody else who's done something super small they're praised so much and it's just like okay whatever what mm -hmm. what else do you want me to do what can i do yeah to to, to gain like your respect nothing there's mm -hmm. not there's nothing that i can do to change some people's mind about what we do no matter if it's the the success of downstar no matter if it's a podcast or whatever but at the end of the day the person that you look up to and the person that you respect mm -hmm. respects me so i mean that's that's all i care about at the end of the day yeah, i mean like frank like there's always going to be guys like here i am saying okay you know i've earned the right to do this and like you know be able to pick out a car i can tell you what's good but there are guys who are like oh dude oh that car's trash and like oh csf doesn't know what they're doing it's a shitty cooling system a lot of like they're always going to be haters yeah you know yeah, what i'm yeah. saying but you know when there's haters that means you're doing something right you know what i'm saying and um yeah i, I don't think you can just you got to just like brush that shit off dude because we've all seen the cars you put together we've all seen the cars where your parts are on i mean they're the best cars in the world yeah. you know what i'm saying like Thank you. we're talking about like magazine cover cars consistently every year have downstar product i on think it. that that when i had uh the success of ryan's integra who had all of our stuff on it yeah followed up by big mike's big mike prelude, prelude yeah that we call that big mike spec had every single bolt yeah downstar on it that one was top 10 at sema mm-hmm what what more what other trophy do i need yeah what what, what else yeah. do i need and after i, I after that about 2016 that kind of changed my mentality on things and that's why i decided to build the heavy in the street tg i had to look at myself in the mirror it's like dude who's 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 a cosign do you need you don't need anybody's yeah. fucking cosign. I mean, even your heavy in the streets, EG, dude, like that was like before I really knew you. Like we kind of knew each other, yeah. like just being in the circles. And I remember I hit you up. I'm like, yo, dude, I want my radiator on your car because I think it's so dope. And you were like, dude, I already got a deal with K-Tune and I understood. But like 
that was a car that I really wanted to be on. Like, I would have thrown the fucking book at you with free shit if you were like, oh, dude, I can take a CSF. <laughs> I appreciate and it's cool, that, dude, man. Like, because I know the next project, because we have a relationship now, you're going to use my cooling system. But, like, you know, that's the thing that I think people don't realize about businesses like yours or mine. It's not like we're not waiting for the phone to ring and be like, oh, that's a cool project. I'll sponsor it. Mm-hmm. Like, we go get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be on the top builds in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mind. Like, it doesn't even a question of, like, is it free or not? It's for the culture. It's for the brand. It's for the industry for me to want to be on those cars and help. Hell yeah. It's just about helping. You know what I'm saying? I want to help those guys building those cars who have those vision bring it to life. And if CSF can be a part of that, that's what I think moves the needle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you do that and you have that type of outlook, sales will come from it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the motivation for me is to be part of that. And that's really what I think is important. Yeah, dude. I think that the way that we look at things is a lot different than a lot of other people. And that's okay because the, the space that we're at is not where a lot of people can be. There's only so many seats in, in yeah. this in this area, you know? And if, if you're, you're probably talking maybe 50 people. Yeah, probably if that would even be a lot to Mm -hmm. say about 50 people in the import community would be like the movers and shakers of it. So whoever, if somebody's listening, if if they're thinking like it's this guy or this guy, no, it it, it's the guys behind those guys. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's when you look at like say Hoonigans, yeah, right. When you think of Hoonigans, if somebody's thinking about like Ken Block, yeah, you know, no. it's like nads yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's the culture yeah right there that's the guy who who you should be looking at who you should be admiring who you should be respecting and saying like wow this dude he's brought so much to the table Mm -hmm. but it doesn't happen like that because he's he's not all all over the place he's not doing you know yeah he's not the, he's not, he's not the big persona face of it all exactly you know which so is more fine back. yeah which 100%. is fine you know there, there's those people that do that but then there's those people who actually move and push the culture and that's that's the side of it that i want to be on you know and and i'm trying to put myself in that position and stay in that position as long as i can as, as humbly as i can you know i'm i, I want to see this thing move on and i want to pull as much weight as i can Mm -hmm. you know even like i even come keep coming back to the podcast i don't see really anybody in the automotive community dedicating time to making podcast blow up yeah you know outside of us podcast is it's it's out of here already it's going yeah but in our community there's not really anybody that's pushing and if it is it's just you know an episode here and there but if i can inspire somebody to start their own podcast yeah dude who knows where this can be yeah 100 what say say if there's an event say if there's an an ibox then maybe there could be a a podcast section Mm -hmm. and then we can have so many that would be dope if you were doing it live at ibox yeah that would be really sick and that's kind of where i'm gonna start moving to you know get a a tent for the podcast yeah if you're this close to the mic everything else is is pretty much drowned out like you could hear a little bit yeah but you can still hear the conversation how dope would that be dude 100 yeah, i mean it's like the radio channels who like do live shows at events you know i listen exactly. to a lot of talk radio sometimes and they're live from some certain place and yeah you can hear a little bit of background chatter but you know you can bring guests on you know like do a couple minutes i mean they do that shit at the sema show yeah you know they do the live podcast or like live interviews and stuff like that so i think that's a really good idea shit i could do one at sema yeah I'll find a little corner set mm-hmm. up right there and, and do it or they or actually did that in my booth a few years ago 
we worked with a company, I forget her name, her name was Elizabeth, I forget what the, the podcast was, but they set a couple mics up just like this, and it was like a standing thing, and it was like 15 minutes on it, Yeah, and yeah, they just had people coming in the whole time, and they were just doing their podcast. And it's just, you, you just gotta be creative, man, yeah. you just gotta go for it, you know, like I said earlier, you don't have to ask any permi- anybody permission, Not you don't anymore. have to ask anybody permission to do this, I don't have to ask per- permission to do anything. But when I do it, I have to make sure that I do it good. And if anybody else wants to do it, it's my part as if I want to be looked at as an OG, I have to act like an OG. Mm-hmm. So if anybody wants to come up, hey, how, how do, if they ask me for advice, how do I do it, dude? I got to be able to, to help them out. Because when it came down to it, there was really nobody that, that reached out to me, which I wish that they did. But... I mean, so be it. We're, mm-hmm. we're still here to this day, you know. But if 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 I can help out somebody else to get to the next level, dude, I, I'm here to help out, bro. Because with your win, that's that's a win for me. Yeah. And just like bring it back to Sheepy, with him winning, that's a win for me because yeah. we're both from the same yeah. the same community. And if he's able to take it to that level, dude, that means that I can make it mm-hmm. to that level. Yeah. And even so, like. Uh, I just went to Illis yeah. with Mark, and Mark, mm-hmm. uh, he has the shop on Fairfax now. Yeah. That's always been my dream. Yeah, dude. for like, sure. Everybody, dude, that's into that culture, streetwear, hip-hop, yeah. or whatever. That's like, like the street to be on. Exactly. In man. the United States, that's the place to go. 100%. Yeah, Fairfax, <laughs> all the big and boys are there. If, if a car guy was able to make it there, that's not only a win for him, that's a win for me. And that's how I look at things now, dude. I don't look at it and be like, oh, why does that guy have a shop there? Why is he doing that? Or try to make excuses of why they made it there. The only reason that all of these guys that we mentioned that made it there is because they just fucking did it and didn't take no for an answer. And, you know, I know Mark. And, like, you know, circling back to that, like, Mark, he actually did a T-shirt for me that, like, my fourth year at SEMA, mm-hmm. same year I had that BBI Porsche. He was the one who made the T-shirt for us. Oh, sick! Yeah, and it's got an illus, uh, you know, tag on the back and all that stuff. But he's had his own failures. Mm-hmm. You know, I live down in uh, close to Costa Mesa, and he had have he had the illus shop like right there next to the lab, like next to South Coast Plaza. It didn't last very long. You know what I'm saying? But he was able to turn it around, and like now he's got the shop in Fairfax. And so sometimes you take an L, but you know you learn from it. You know, maybe it was a bad location spot. Maybe he didn't have like the demographic that was a customer around him. But yeah, I mean, I I think that's what we were talking about. You know, it's like he took a shot. He might have failed, but at least he saw that opportunity and he learn from it and maybe there's a lot of things like maybe he wouldn't even have this fairfax shop if this one didn't work out yeah you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but now he maybe understood a lot of the things that went wrong or went right with that shop to be like okay now i can step it up to fairfax definitely so i commend the guy you know because he's an og dude he's been around forever nicest guy in the world dude super humble he's quiet but you can tell he's like you can tell the wheels are moving real fast in the head you know what i'm saying when you talk to him so yeah shout out to mark yeah hell yeah dude and it's and it's his his uh things that he's had to overcome that he's doing for all of us Mm -hmm. Uh, you know maybe maybe he doesn't even think it maybe we don't even think it. but in reality that's what it is too like i think the the import community is so divided with every subculture that it is but we need to realize that we are all on the same team Mm -hmm. and the the other guys the the truck guys the domestic guys they they don't look at us they don't care about our culture if we didn't exist it wouldn't matter to them yeah at all you know but just say say going from that way 
look at a company like Painless, mm -hmm. right? Ryan could smash on that company. Yeah. Hundred thousand percent. But they don't they don't look at him and say like, oh, this is this is a threat. But you should be mm -hmm. because we're not that we haven't been around as long as they've been yeah the thing about like say the domestic market or or whatever the muscle cars is that they're comfortable or what they've done and they're kind of like the they feel no threats mm -hmm. until as of late because SEMA is is the place to be and as it being the place to be imports have been picking it up a lot yeah and then you can tell who those guys are and who those guys deal with and who those guys hang out with and who those guys spend time with mm -hmm. and that's like that there could be a problem and we we have we have to realize that we have that power we have to think of ourselves as bigger mm -hmm. than just like the little honda fast and the furious kids yeah and i think and i think you, the last word you said was what i was about to say it's like okay we were all import guys because we were like 18 20 years old and that's what we drove yeah we were kids we're not kids anymore yeah so you better like take notice and open your eyes like we got the money behind us to do the same thing that you build in your you know quarter million dollar hot rod i got a quarter million dollar evo yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. like yeah you might think i'm retarded for putting the money into it but that's because you don't get what we're all about you know like building the type of things that we're talking about building costs money mm -hmm. you know and it's a lot of time and it's a lot of skill you know it's not just nice paint job ls engine you know paid some interior got to do it put some wheels on it and roll yeah. out my hot rod mm -hmm. like we're talking about standalone ecu systems you know like drive-by wire stuff like crazy fabrication going into turbo kits you know like dual blow-off valves like yeah you know custom paneling for the inside and like dry sump kits like hot rod guys look at this shit and go it blows their mind they got no idea what we're doing. Yeah. You know, I even think it took the judges a little bit of time to catch up at Battle of the Builders because like maybe RJ understood a little bit of it, but I don't even think he even knew what the extent of what he was looking at. So that's why I think Mike's car got further than Ryan's car, yeah. even though I think Ryan's car, like no disrespect to Big Mike, but I think Ryan's car is still like the top of the hill when it comes to import builds. Like, I mean, yeah. it was so legendary and like on top of what was happening, you know? But Mike's car went a little bit further, and even Mike's car went further than mine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, maybe just I had a tough year, or they changed the judging a little bit, or however they did it. But, you know, I don't hate on anybody else's success, but I think, like, it takes time for the rest of the automotive industry to almost catch up to what we're doing because we're so heavy into, like, pushing the boundaries, you know, because we have a mix. Like, our age of somebody who's 35 is somebody who understood automotive understood imports and understands technology you know what i'm saying yeah. and you put all that together with motorsports now it's like wow these guys are very like they have a very broad network of like deeper understanding of like automobile like car culture all of that stuff so i think it, i think it's an exciting time right now for people like in our position and in our industry hell yeah dude there's um there used to be a old uh old school shop around over here right and some saturdays i would come and pass by and they would have a little meet outside like 10 15 cars and all these dudes are in their 50s and 60s mm -hmm. you know they they don't have a culture like we have a culture yeah this is this is their weekend hobby for most people listening this is their entire life oh yeah 100 percent. we still 
in our minds we still think that we're the little guys because yeah. we haven't been around long dude just just compare your, your parents uh knowledge of technology versus ours like dude we have social media dude we're, we're tapped in and we can we can turn that into something that that can flip around sema where sema is not focused on you know all these old muscle cars and it's focused on the future on the import community because those cars are done mm -hmm. they're out of production already but every year every time something new comes out that we're coming even like the supras coming yep. out or whatever there's a whole industry that's going to be behind that one chassis yeah you know just like it was with the frs 100 percent, dude you're talking about one fucking yeah. chassis i'm already i'm already working on super parts you know dude yeah. like everybody is that's mm -hmm. the thing suspension turbo kids everybody's working on that yeah they're they're not coming out with a, a new camaro like yeah like that style yeah kind of camaro yeah you'll come out with the newer domestics but i feel like the newer domestics those are on our side yeah you know mm -hmm. because it's it's a different culture it's 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 the younger guys that are the future versus the older guys that look down mm -hmm. on on the new guys because they had to do it the hard way hey that's how life is, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry when you were around that the internet wasn't yeah, around social like media. Like YouTube, DIYs, how to, you sorry, know, where to bro. go, like review websites, any of that stuff. Yeah, you didn't have what we had, but we're using the tools that are available to us, a lot of them being free, which is the best part about the internet, and we're creating something better. Yep. You know, and like one of my favorite builds of last year, which I think was a, like the epitome of like crossing over from like being an import into like something that's almost known as a hot rod or like classic mm -hmm. was what Ryan Hogner did with this Porsche. Hell yeah. Dude, that Porsche was so sick. And I was so happy to be a part of that car, you know, giving him the oil coolers for it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, another car that Ryan wired up, you know, and I know Len at Sleepers and, mm -hmm. you know, like Willie does a, did the paint. You know, these are guys that like I've known and like followed for a long time. And like Ryan, obviously being at the forefront of the iBox meets like he's yeah. so deep into the culture of you know the import community and the honda community but to be able to take that step and he has a gt3 you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying but not many people know that right because that's like more he bought a gt3 he fixed it up a little bit this was a ground up nuts and bolts full restoration and it was arguably one of the best cars at the show 100 percent, dude, dude. Damn, and it's still sick. so sick and it's still getting so much love i mean he's been on the cover of like magazine like all over the place internet and he deserves all the credit with that build because it, it's flawless. Yeah. You know, like for what it is, it being a hot rod Porsche, like I think he knocked it out of the park. And everybody who worked on it knocked it out of the park. But that I think is really exciting because it almost gave us a lot of motivation to try this F-body Camaro this year because we saw what he did with that. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like... We are like, yo, he did this European thing. Like, why can't we do this with domestics? Like, why can't we cross this over and put it in people's faces and be like, yo, this is what your domestic should be like. Yeah. You know? So it's exciting times, man. Like, it doesn't have to be like, we're always going to be Honda guys. We're always going to be import guys. It's like, try something different, you know? Like, step out of your comfort zone because a lot of the things, like, your people get scared of stepping out of, the like, the neighborhood, you know, it's almost like, yo, I'm, I'm, I know everybody in the neighborhood. I'm homie. I can be safe. I can walk anywhere and I'm good. But the minute I go into the Nat neighborhood, they might jump me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what people are scared about. It's like, yo, I don't know what they're going to tell me in the, in the, you know, the magazines, like what's hot rod magazine going to say about my car? Cause I don't know anybody at a hot rod magazine, you know? Fuck like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I don't think Ryan ever knew anybody at uh, classic Porsche magazine mm -hmm. either. 
And now her car's on the co- cover of it yep. all, right? So um, it's exciting stuff, man. And I think that's what's going to happen this year. I think you're going to see a lot more crossing over. And I think another car that I saw last year at SEMA that was super dope was that Corrupt Stang. Oh, that, dude, that car was super fire, dude. The mu- old Mustang Ferrari engine, chop you know? top, chop top, LED stuff like the lights and like just the like the clean build and the inside and all the like the digital electronics on it. I mean, that thing's like a half a million dollar car, bro. yeah. Like that thing is, dude. That that thing is legit, and I think that's just another one of those builds. I mean, I had nothing to do with it, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was something really awesome that I was like, yo, dude, clap my hands, tip my hat onto what you built because that thing is sick. Yeah, dude. I, I think we have a lot more power than than we're focusing on. And I think that the entire community focuses on the wrong thing, just focuses on bullshit. But if we all got together and worked together, dude, we can definitely be a force to be reckoned with and do flip it all, all around, mm-hmm. you know? And in the future, we're going to have our own summit yeah you know with with parts being discontinued and not being able to get them and even even we're seeing it now with like eg parts and ef parts you can't even get them dude mm-hmm. there's gonna we're gonna have our own like dynacorn we're gonna have our <laughs> own jags we're gonna have our mm-hmm. own summit and who says we can't yeah nobody mm-hmm. we'll do whatever we want to do but we have to believe in ourselves and we have to believe in what we do and we just can't think of it as being just like oh we're just some import guys yeah you know no matter how people ever looked at us i never looked at myself and just like oh yeah i sell bolts yeah no that's like a little portion of what we do mm-hmm. you know the picture is a lot bigger but you got to paint the picture for other people to to see it and hopefully hopefully it turns around man hopefully everybody starts supporting one another and gets away from the bullshit of things but it's gonna be a tough road to go down are you uh you gonna build any cars soon no anything else dude i i have my chevelles almost done okay the shop right now that's sick yeah but i I don't plan on doing anything really crazy with that besides just fucking around at street lights or whatever yeah yeah i know for sure i mean i think you gotta also like it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And especially for where you are and you being a notable person, like people are going to pick it apart. Oh, definitely. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if you're like, okay, they're going to pick it apart because everyone's a critic and you know when you're in a spotlight, you're going to get critiqued. But you have to be in the mood yeah. to build a car, especially it's something that's going to make a splash these days. Like, you know, like building a car ground up like the Evo, I, I say I don't think I could ever do it again. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I have a spark like five years from now or like two years from now or like like right time, right place, some opportunity comes up. But I don't think I would ever be able to do something like that again. Yeah. And like the dedication and time and like, you know, props to guys like Ryan Hell yeah, and the guys yeah. I got auto fashion, dude, who every year or like Igor at CA tuned, bro, every fucking year they build a car for Battle of the Builders. Yeah. And I, I mean, granted, they have their own shops, which is something I don't have, you know, because I'm a manufacturer of just specific components. But these guys every year come out with something and I'm like, damn, dude, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into what you're doing, yeah. you know, and people are going to critique it and not every year the car is as good as or better than the year before or sometimes it is sometimes it's not so these guys these guys keep turning cars out you yeah know? dude and i think uh us just being a part of it that's 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 more <laughs> hey dude i'm okay with that I'm dude i'm happy with that dude if i'm a cooling on t- five of the top 20 cars like i'm okay with that you know and not I'm only saying? at the top level even at the just the regular enthusiast level man as long as i can give people the the tools for them to reach their full potential that's all i want yeah. you know i've built my cars i've done that thing i've went to shows and stuff and it's just 
I really don't have any desire at this time to to go with that because at the end of the day, all we have is time, man. And my time mm-hmm. is already limited as it is. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna give up time with my family or with my business or the podcast so I can go wrench on the car. So maybe I can get a trophy or something. Yeah. Or so, so so people can think that I build good cars. Like, dude, I'm not I'm not trying to portray myself as knowing the most about cars being the best builder yeah. knowing about engines having the fastest car that's not what it's about dude yeah like at the end of the day all i want you to know about me is i'm a fucking hustler yeah <laughs> that's it yeah and that 100%. transitions over to anything else not only just cars there's a, a, a there's two types of people in this world you know there's there's people that are hustlers and people that aren't you know mm-hmm. and, and you can tell when you meet somebody like that that they're a hustler and that's that's an attractive quality and that's what i that's my legacy yeah. that i want to leave well, you got to be in the mindset to build a car. I think for you right now, like from what I'm understanding and from what you're telling me, it's like you're really passionate about this podcast thing yeah. right now, right? Like this is your outlet of your creativity. Like this is the time for yeah. you and this is where you're investing it in, you know? So that's good. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, the idea of like building a car, to like to build a car for the brand, like if you're not 100% about it, like it's going to show in the work. You know what I'm saying? Because then you start to like sacrifice things that you know you should have spent that extra hour on or extra yeah. five hours on or 10 hours on to make it perfect. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, like right now, I mean, we just finished this like 991 turbo project. It's a thousand horsepower. Damn. Yeah. It was dope, Oof. you know, but it wasn't like a full build like my Evo was where it was custom dash, custom paneling, custom everything. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we, we built a fucking super dope fast car and uh it looks awesome and it's gonna make waves but that was as much as i could do like this was perfect for me right now because it was like all right dude like i can still you know move the needle with marketing it's something that no one's really done it looks as fast as it is cool and this is going to be good for the brand because i couldn't even put myself in a position to be like dude another evo yeah. it would have broke me dude like i mean i'm still putting money into my evo dude <laughs> yeah it's crazy dude people always like we were at Spocom two weeks ago, and people were like, yo, dude, where's the Evo? I thought you were bringing the Evo out. Yeah. And I'm like, no, dude, that thing's going full race car, you yeah. know, because I got bigger plans for it, you know? So, man, dude, if you would have told me three years ago that you're going to have an Evo that you put over $200,000 into it, I'd be like, dude, just sign me up for the GT3 RS. Bro. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, But, but it, what's the fun in that, right? Definitely. Like, yeah. dude, this is an expression of yeah. your creativity yeah. and, and the team that worked with it. And it's it's going to leave yeah. a legacy way way longer than any other car. What that car did for me, you can't put a you can't put a dollar sign on it. The, the way that I was able to grow a relationship with everybody who was on that car, like I'm so much closer to everybody because of that car. Yeah. And I think that's what people don't get from like looking on Instagram. They don't understand when I'm tagging Downstar in a picture what my relationship with Downstar or Sheepy Race or Ryan or yeah. LTMW means because they weren't there, you know, at one in the morning yeah. trying to figure out why the fucking lights don't go on. You <laughs> yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, or trying to figure out why we can't get the car started or like <laughs> ripping everything apart to do it again or like, you know, on the phone with the tuner. Like, they weren't there for that. Yeah. You know, to them, it's just a picture of a cool car. You know, it's like this instant gratification of like endorphins going, wow, cool thing to look at. Okay, like, next thing, right? Yeah. But, like, it means so much more to us because we did it. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that's why I think this podcast is cool because people can learn about it a little bit more. You know, they can understand, they can hear the passion and emotion that goes into what it's all about. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that car was super challenging for everybody. 
You know, I know it was challenging for Ryan. I know it was challenging for Long at LTMW. You know, the guys at Sheepy were trying to come up with something crazy. Um, you know, Gabe, uh, who did all the paneling and stuff like that, dude. I mean, he was a month delayed on the panels because he's like, dude, this was a fucking hard ass project. You know, it wasn't like he was blowing me off. Yeah. The guy just couldn't get it right. And he wanted it to be right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been an experience, dude. I wouldn't have traded it for the world, man. And I wouldn't trade it for any other car or any dollar or anything like that. You yeah. Know? So I think that that's dope. And, and to tie everything into like the YouTube community, I think that it, it, if we see that there's an opportunity, that's, that's a space that we could fit in. And that's mm-hmm. something that I'm going to start working on. I know Ryan's already started yeah. working on Sheepy's working on it. You know, uh, we can look at those guys all day and say like, yo, you're, you're not really building anything crazy crazy but if we're not if we're not putting ourselves in the conversation Mm -hmm. how much can we really say yeah you know so uh, i'm gonna start focusing a lot more on youtube and just providing content and not only not not for like to make money off of it but for people to see what it actually takes to run a business yeah what these products actually do what what's behind this Mm -hmm. you know rather than just a picture i want to give you more than just a picture if i give you a picture i want to give you a full description of why i chose this picture what this mm-hmm. represents to me and i think that that's where uh, where we all have an opportunity that we could capitalize on and if we all did dude in in a year we could be in a totally different conversation you know mm-hmm. it, the tide could change yeah yeah i mean i i think it's it's SEMA's exciting because the conversation like you said changes after every SEMA, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're right now, we're going back and forth talking about what cars were dope last year. Imagine what we're going to say three months from now after SEMA about what cars were dope, yep. right? You know, I hope the one that we have in the CSF booth is going to be one of those cars, but I know there's cars that you and I don't even know about. They're mm-hmm. not even on our radar that we're going to be like, damn, dude, that car was fucking extra sick, yeah. you know? So I'm excited to see what happens. And I, I think... I tell people all the time, man, I mean, if you're really passionate about our industry, SEMA is the Super Bowl of cars. Like, this thing gets me jacked up every year. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm excited to show up. I'm excited to show the world what's in the CSF booth, what we're all about, the new products, because we want to be the best. You know what I'm saying? I want everybody to come by and be like, damn, dude, these guys have been around for 10 years and good for them, you know? Um, There was guys, I'll tell you a story, Frank. I don't know if I ever told you or not. Eddie Lee. He's uh, now the owner of Titan 7 Wheels. Yes. He used to be the general manager for Mackin Industries. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first guys I ever showed my first all-aluminum radiator. Like a, It was like an Evo 10 radiator, ironically. Yeah. You know, and I took it in. I'm like, hey, you know, could you guys sell this? Because I was thinking, like, I didn't really know the industry. I was like, maybe you could be the distributor for this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? You saw all these Japanese wheels and, like, all these brands. Like, maybe you could do it. And I remember taking it out of the box and I showed it to him. He's like, yo, bro, this is garbage. Yeah. 100%, dude. Really? Guy, like, wouldn't even let me in his office. Just showed it to me in his, in his like, in, like the, like, the lobby area of, like, Mackin Industries. Yeah. He just made me take it out of the box right there. And he's like, bro, I would never sell this. Oh, he goes, shit. He goes, if I were you, I would never sell this to anybody. I wouldn't show this to anybody else. Like, you need to fix all this shit. And he just started pointing out. He's like, the wells don't look good. This doesn't look good. That doesn't look good. And I've been working on this first prototype for like a year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was 21 years old at the time. Literally got in my car and started fucking crying, dude. Damn. I was like, fuck, dude. Like, here I thought I was about to like have a good meeting and, you know, show this to a Japanese guy and he's going to like it and like all that stuff. But that, and like, Eddie and I are now friends. Mm-hmm. 
he's actually had a conversation with me about advice about starting his wheel company because he's seen what I've done with CSF. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that moment, I'll never forget for the rest of my life because that was like that moment where it was a very humbling experience of like, yo, you really are going to have to start from the bottom and like figure this out. It's not going to be as easy as you think to be a business owner and like really make something that people want. Yeah. And I'll never forget that day. And I don't think CSF would even be here to this point if Eddie never told me that. So, you know, that I keep in the back of my mind everywhere when I walk into SEMA, I'm like, I still feel like I'm the small guy. Yeah. And I still got to show up with the best shit in the world. And I still got to have the best display with the best cars and the best product. And everything's got to be like primo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that's that's the only way you got you got to live your life like that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You got to live your life being like, yo, I'm here to show up. You got to stay hungry. Hungry, man. dude. All the time. Yeah. I want to eat, dude. Hell yeah, dude. Damn, we're probably super deep right now. I haven't checked the time. Yeah, me neither, brother. This combo is going, man. Yeah. And Robbie, dude, I really appreciate you coming out. 100%, man. Frank. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun, dude. Hell yeah. Definitely worth the drive up here, brother. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, the booth at SEMA, and hopefully you can make it, make the car out there to Auto Salon. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's like I'm. I'm really trying to put the uh, the wheels in motion on that man. That would be just the icing on the cake for that whole build. So fucking rad, dude. That'll be either way. We're gonna have a good time. Yeah, we will. No matter what, hundred percent. But before we get out of here, dude, where can uh, everybody find you at? Yeah, so um, you know you can check out more of CSF at uh, on Instagram. It's CSF underscore Radiators. Uh, We're also on Facebook. Just type it in. We got a European page. Um, If you want to follow me personally, it's uh, at DJ Deluxe Ravi. Yeah, so keeping it hood. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Kind of an inside joke. But yeah, I'm I'm there on Instagram. You can check out a little bit more about me personally. We do a little bit of car stuff there, but that's just more my personal life. I really try to keep it separate. So CSF underscore radiators. uh, And then you can see my personal page if you want. But yeah, you know, and check us out online, CSFrace.com dope man and robbie once again bro i i'm like a huge believer in time bro and i know your time is super valuable and i appreciate you coming down no for sure frank thanks for having me brother hell yeah bro thank you man once again guys if you guys listen to this whole thing i really appreciate you see if you could tell a friend we're uploading these to youtube uh i'm on my grind guys so uh come along for the ride man and thank you guys for everything thank you for your support i really appreciate it This is Downtime with Downstar, episode 87. Peace. Thanks.